dude, feels kind of weird being back here and doing something different for once, huh? Yeah, man, this is a little different after being six months on Game of Thrones. Seven, I think it was, it turned out to be, but either way, dude, like, we spent a lot of time on there, and we're going somewhere new today. Yeah, man, uh, like Arya, went <laughs> sailing west of Westeros, <laughs> we're going to follow her out. All the way to Westworld, and... You know what they do out west, bro? Gonna take my horse to the old town road. I'm gonna ride till I can't no more. I'm gonna take my horse to the old town road. I'm gonna ride till I can't no more. I got the horses in the back. Horse that gives a tash. You guys have a good day. Cheers, man. Malice in the chalice. Malice in the chalice, man. Alrighty. Ah, oh, dude, it feels good to be doing something new uh, for once. And, and you know, I always like to give a, a representation verbally of all the visuals that we got going on for the people who are seeing us on our YouTube channel and are just checking us out straight through audio. Uh, we've got some uh, Westworld poster here on the table. We got the Westworld banner in the back, and Chase and I decided to bust out the old cowboy hats. Oh yeah, the man. Theme, huh? <laughs> the problem with the cowboy hats though is that they are too big and. Uh, they don't. The, 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 our headsets can't fit over them, and then the, the little opening is too small, so we can't put the headsets underneath them. So yeah, I was <laughs> trying to warp this thing all night to fit around that headset. <laughs> did not work. Got the steamer out and everything. It just did not work. So I, what we're gonna do is we're gonna give you one tip of the hat, and then we're gonna take them off, throw the headsets on, and yeah, kind of get started. Hats on to you guys. Hats off for Hips the podcast. Out. All right, man. Yeah, let's do it. This is gonna be a good one. I'm really, you know, what's really cool about this too. And we actually mentioned this, like, kind of talking about it. We didn't really know what to expect with Westworld when we first started, right? Like, we had both had like the same kind of understanding that, dude, we just got off of a crazy arc in Game of Thrones that took us, you know, 25 episodes, you know. So it was just really interesting to see, like, hey, how is this gonna? How are we gonna bounce back from it ourselves? Like, are we gonna be like motivated in yeah. the mindset? Because both of us were like, man, I don't know if this is if we're gonna really like this, or if we're gonna kind of. Like, is this going to work for us? Like, are we just going to kind of have it be a stopgate between this and Harry Potter? And then we watched it, and honestly, wow, dude. So good. It was, I it set in, it set the bar for itself. Like, I had no idea. It kind of even has that, like, Game of Thrones vibe a little bit. So it was, like, really, like, the perfect transition. But I got to say, hats off to the cast, too, because... Casting, the writing? Dude, the writing's amazing so far. So right? far. Like we, we don't want to knock eight. on some wood. Season 8, and, Game know, of Thrones. Pull out some <laughs> yeah. of the old tricks that these HBO writers are going to give us sometimes. Yeah, man, so, But no, dude. And, and the crazy part is is that, uh, you know, I told Chase, like, you know what I think we really need to do is for something like this that has a lot of twists and turns and, like, you know, surprise moments and full circles, like, honestly, what I found that worked best for me is watching it all the way through one time, not taking any notes, like just taking the time to try to understand the show itself, because mm-hmm. it's kind of difficult, you know, if you haven't done this before, you're just kind of jumping into it out of the blue like I am, because you, I remember we talked about it, you watched this like three plus years ago, and you know, I came into it fresh, I didn't, haven't seen anything, and so trying to follow along, it was really interesting, so I found that, you know, really watching it first to understand it, then going back through and taking the notes, made it a little bit easier yeah and even when i watched it three years ago you know it wasn't like the detail we watch it in right. now and you know I, I there was even a part this week like we were both taking notes and you were telling me something and i was like i haven't seen it yet and you're like you saw it three years ago <laughs> and no, i'm like i, I don't remember too. that shit yeah, <laughs> yeah. i really did that's so funny <laughs> yeah man so 
I'm like I said, really pumped to really get into something new today. Uh, we're gonna break this up into a couple parts. Ideally, we would like to do it in threes. So we're hoping that you know mm-hmm. today, this week, we're gonna give you episodes one through four, and then part two, we're gonna tackle uh, five, six, and seven. Then finish season one with parts eight, nine, ten. That's what our current plan is. It's open to interpretation <laughs> and adjustment, and you know as far as the details go and how long it takes us to get through because. Westworld is it's, it's turning out to look like it's going to be a beast in terms of trying to break down all these things that can, people are missing, uh, full circle moments, quotes that come up huge later on, and things like that, right? I gotta say, like I, I fell in love with some of these characters right off. Like Some of these characters, when we talk about the kind of evil genius mastermind we're going to talk about today like god like some of the stuff in this dialogue too is like you don't even know when that's one of the best parts is like is he a good guy because like they're trying to like not to get ahead of us but you know they're they're trying to make a a coup on him and get him out yeah like so is he the good guy is he the bad guy what's going on like you know it's just it was really really interesting and well i mean what's great is just like game of thrones you know what really makes great franchises is the villains yeah and it, it this I, even in season one, we got introduced to so many people that could play the villain that mm-hmm. are in the villain role. For sure. I mean, think about it. we got so Hector, good. we got Rebus, we've gotten the Man in Black, we've got uh, your boy Logan. <laughs> yeah, I was waiting to <laughs> uh, he, he gave me the look because yeah. I, 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 it was funny last night we were arguing. I was like, dude, Logan sucks. Like, and it's just like, <laughs> I, like I love Logan. My man. favorite guy. I uh, love Logan. Dude. You know, and then obviously Ford himself too. You know, that's that's another one that's a potential big time villain, and so. You know, it, you're right. Villains do make the series, but I also think the writing does, and the writing, at least for season one, has been pretty phenomenal mm-hmm. so far. Fantastic. Yeah, I say we go ahead and dive into it, man. Let's, Give these people what they want. Let's do it, bro. I mean, really, when we kind of open up season one, episode one, we've got Bernard talking to Dolores a little bit, like asking her if she's ever questioned her reality. Right. And remember, she's like naked on the stool, mm-hmm. and uh, he's examining her. And you can tell right off something is just odd. Like I think, was it even like a fly or something like hit her eyes or something? There was something going on where like she wasn't moving. Well, I mean, the the fly thing happened a little bit later on in the episode, but it was episode one where the fly thing did happen. Yeah. And it first opens up like uh, you can tell because like he he makes her go into certain modes and 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 changes it from like the voice that they gave her to like a robotic type of voice mm-hmm. type deal so you obviously know she's not a real person right that's that's the biggest thing of it you know like and we start to see a little bit about how westworld works because as he's talking to her about you know her reality and what she thinks about it and she goes into the whole well, you know some people tend to see the the evil or darkness in the world or you know how she says that and then it kind of starts up with her opening her eyes and we get a little trip around her day in the life of Westworld. Yeah, and Bernard was asking her that big question, what do you think of the newcomers? Mm-hmm. So instantly right there, you're like, okay, something's going on in this park. Or yeah. something's going on in this world. And to your point, you know, this, is, and this isn't something terribly off topic, but you mentioned that this was kind of based on an old movie. Yeah, and that so, is really cool. And what's going to be interesting to me is, like, does that come into play later? Because wasn't it in, like, the old movie supposed to be a park or something like that? So the movie came out in um, in the 70s. Okay. Um, it actually was called Westworld. So this is actually based on that. Okay. A lot of people don't know that. Uh, actually, know that, yeah. a good friend of mine, <laughs> Michael, his uh, dad... Um, his dad used to be really obsessed with this movie he said and like the big thing about the movie is like kind of one of those old cheesy like 70s films sure was there 
I guess you can call the hosts in the park, the way you can tell the difference between them and the humans were there was something different with their hands. So basically, like it was just kind of one of I don't want to say a cheesy film, but it was a typical seventies film, right? Without the great technology that we have these right. days and things like that. So also, you know, that kind of brings up a point later on, and you know, I, I wrote this down about like how the hosts are made. You know, mm-hmm. back then it was like all mechanical. I remember one point, you know, the Man in Black, not to get too far ahead, he's like, you guys used to be a bunch of billion, a million pe- like great little pieces, then they right. made you like us flesh and bone. Yeah. So like, it's it's cool. Now we see like a little bit uh, of how they maybe you know it brings into that old movie. And then where they came from there, mm-hmm. it can be something completely different. That's right. the cool thing about this is that you just don't really know. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it's, it, it, yeah, I mean, it, it, I mean, we get a pretty awesome scene just in episode one. Right. For sure. We get lots of them. I mean, one thing I wrote down too, I mean, they actually say the amount later on, but I want to bring it up now because I think it's important. These guests, they come, they pay $40,000 a day. Yeah. A day. And you see, like, how long, you know, some people stay in there, mm-hmm. right? You know, like, for example, we won't tell you, like, the big twist there, but there's one guest that's been there for, like, 30 years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's just crazy. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, we know who he is and now and wh- how he's able to, quote, unquote, afford that and stuff. But can you imagine, like, that's why the uptake and maintenance is so great. You pay $40,000 a day to do this. That's like, that's like a mid-level car payment, like like a full paying a car in full every single day that you want to enjoy yourself. It's insane. That's crazy. Which, I mean, it, it even goes into show, like, this is why these guests can do whatever they want yeah. when they get there. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, what what's cool, too, because I know you're, you're probably going to go into what you see, like what comes <laughs> up here as it goes on. But what I really want to do is like explain a little bit from my perspective what I was understanding at this time. Like each host has a loop, but they have different storylines. So it, like even though they're repeating the majority of the same day over and over again, it's it's there's small subtle differences because like they have the ability to do small improvisations and really kind of connect into other storylines too. But they're in a general loop that they're really not supposed to go outside of. Mm-hmm. So. But go ahead and tell them a little bit about you know what they see next on on with a little train going through and all that yeah. good stuff. Your boy, uh, I, I guess you're a fan of him, Teddy Flood. Teddy Flood. <laughs> I just like him because like he's just the ultimate good guy, and he just gets screwed over constantly. <laughs> he really <laughs> like, does. Like every single. He is the Jon Snow of Westworld. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he is the Jon Snow he's of Westworld. Good old man. good guy, and can continuously gets yeah. screwed over. Uh, but you know he arrives on that uh, big train. I'm mm-hmm. always like long black train, which is crazy because <laughs> you don't know at that point in time is he a host or if he's a real person. Because mm-hmm. all you see is him arrive on the train. Usually people arriving on the trains are the guests. Right, exactly. So. And uh, then you kind of are introduced once he arrives in Westworld uh, to Clementine. Kind of walks up to him a little bit, and you see Maeve. Uh, that's in the saloon brothel kind of thing going on. And one thing I did want to bring up before, because this is this helped me understand the timelines mm-hmm. a little bit too, is when he first gets off, he gets kind of stopped by the sheriff talking about trying to bring uh, Hector Escaton to justice. And he's like, you look like you'd like to put your medal to it. And he says, not today, sheriff. But the important part is, is that that interaction there helped me understand because when we bring in two get two people later on who enter Westworld, it's not that interaction with the sheriff. But so that helped me understand what's present day and what's a different timeline. So the ones that are present day see the sheriff who is asking them to uh, join them to take down Hector Escaton, where 
the other timeline, it's about the Union and Confederate soldiers. Right. So mm -hmm. that's something I wanted to bring really up. Cool. There. I think it's really important. Yeah. But, um, but yeah. I mean, just jumping right off, we actually get one of your favorite kind of scenes here. Uh, do you want to tell them about that? Do you know the scene I'm talking about? Tell me. Okay. So, uh, you know, Teddy's kind of near Clementine, and Clementine says, "You're new. Not much of a rind, are you? Mm. I'll give you a discount." My favorite quote here. Yeah. You know, he he tells her like I didn't write the quote down, but I remembered it fairly closely. He goes, yeah, uh, "Read it there." I'm going to do it off the top of my head because I just <laughs> I loved it. He goes, "You know, I'd rather uh, uh, earn a woman's affection than pay for it." And then Maeve yeah. goes, "Oh, darling, you always pay for it." You know, the difference is our prices are listed and posted there on the door. Yeah, <laughs> so was dead it on. was funny because one that of my awesome. friends actually he really honestly he wasn't really a friend he was a co-worker about five years ago i worked in a restaurant as a server at bonefish grill and his name was jeremy and we were talking about girls one day and and you know like people you know paying for certain affections and stuff and i, and I was telling like, ah, man i just don't think you know my pride will allow myself to like pay for it you know i really just it doesn't it doesn't sit right with me and he's like bro like you're gonna pay for it one way or the other like <laughs> you know talking so you know regardless you're taking out on dates courting like dinners movies like one way or another you're you're paying for it so i just yeah. thought it, it was funny that uh, that stuck in my mind from five years ago when he, he had that conversation with me and i laughed it off and then maybe kind of said something very similar it kind of came full circle for me in my own life so that, that was pretty funny <laughs> no it's awesome i, I yeah it's i mean it's so true <laughs> if you think of that um, and one thing I love about Maeve is she's so real. Yeah. Yeah. Like, she's very real. Um, but then you kind of go back to Dolores here for just a moment with Bernard. And Bernard says, Dolores, do you ever feel there is any inconsistencies in your world or repetitions? And Dolores says, all lives have a routine. Mine is no different. Still, I never cease the thought that any day the course of my life could change with just one chance encounter. Um and it, you start to you're definitely kind of getting this feeling like maybe there's something different that you're trying to see happen in this new world yeah 100 percent. like that's to me i was like okay great so this is already starting down that path of you know these people are going to start having their own thoughts and own feelings and we even kind of get taken down there and we think that for mm -hmm. a while and i'm not going to say anything yet but dude it's it's pretty crazy yeah, and uh, this is right when, you know, Dolores sees herself. She's back in Westworld, and she's... Yes, present-day Westworld. Present-day Westworld. And um, remember, she meets Teddy for the first time. Yeah, well, not really the first. Well, we, they see well, each other for the first time in our eyes. In our eyes, Because yeah. remember, like, you know, she tells him that, like, you know, all, your path would always lead you back to me. So right, they've exactly. obviously met before. Or at least their, their storylines have a connecting interaction that repeats going on like that, so... And that's a great point because mm -hmm. one of the quotes she says is she says you come back and this was like right when they're she's next to the horse yeah he or picks something. up the can for the her can, yeah. yeah and uh, Teddy said I told you I would right. so that's a that's a very good point and this is the actual quote that she said there's a path for everyone mm -hmm. your path leads back to me now she said that to Teddy mm -hmm. but what's crazy is uh, she says it to a certain other character thirty years ago so her quote comes full circle uh, and I'll we'll get into that a little bit later on but it's pretty cool that's awesome and um you know then they kind of go over to because she says another part of that quote where she says uh same as i know my daddy still won't be happy to see you <laughs> that was pretty cool yeah. and, and one thing i want to point out too when we talk about you know what's going on outside of westworld like with the, the researchers and like like whatever they they're working with you know bernard uh, when we start to see this what i'm getting the feeling for is 
Bernard tests these hosts with questions. Like he tests them because he wants to make sure everything's going routine, right? There's different, if you ever worked in a call center, it's a very similar structure, right? We've got like the, the researchers, we've got like the frontline people working on like building them back together after the destroy. We've got the QA department making sure everything is mm-hmm. going by standards. So this guy, he's like the head of, head of his department just testing, making sure everything's working normal. But it gets, it, you start getting this feeling like eventually, you know, because one of the biggest quotes that comes up here later on from one of the Hemsworth brothers is pretty dang cool. But we really start understanding that they want to know if they're gaining consciousness, if they're remembering if they are, you know, being anything other than what they're programmed to do. Exactly, right. Um, and this is when, so they head back to Dolores's father's house, mm-hmm. Teddy and her. And then you get... There's a weird villain here. Rebus? <laughs> Very strange. I called him the fucking milk thief. Yeah, his his <laughs> name's Rebus. The one with the weird like mustache yeah. that comes down. Very Dude, weird. It's funny because at first I thought that might have been Hector because of like he's mm-hmm. like, oh he's in the hills, but then like we found out who Hector is like a little bit later on. But yeah, Rebus with that weird coming down mustache and like he's pouring milk over like Peter Abernathy, <laughs> which Peter Abernathy is Dolores's father. Yeah. So I remember he was like you have anything here other than milk for old men it was very weird like it's yeah, like he has creepy. some seduction with milk or something and not even only that like his partner walter i uh, you know he turns around and like because like they killed peter abernathy and his wife and he's like i didn't get a turn with her before he yeah. shot her and killed her and he, what do you say he said something like so yeah, fucked I up reckon the body's still warm enough no <laughs> no one would judge you for it this Basically, given Walter, again, these are hosts. These are not real people. These are like the bots, right? The hosts. Basically, giving permission to uh, necrophilia, right? You hook up with a dead body. So, And there's like an episode in this season we'll talk about at some point where like one of the like, there's some sick people in the show, man. It is. Well, I mean, like the, the writer has some sick fantasies and like, you know, that's mm-hmm. something that we'll bring up. But yeah, we start to see like a little bit of a shootout. Teddy comes to save the day. You know, shoots Rebus, shoots Walter, and then you know we get we get the first look at someone who's going to be very very important throughout the entire series and in both timelines, like something someone very very important here, which is the Man in Black. And kind of in this scene too, you're kind of I don't want to say fading in and out, but like Dolores is talking to Bernard a little bit as well in this scene. And Bernard says, as uh, you know, the shooting starts between Teddy and uh, the milk <laughs> milkman. What's his name? Rebus. 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 Bernard is talking to Dolores and says, "What if I told you, Dolores, that you were wrong? That there are no chance encounters. That you and everyone you know were built to gratify the desires of the people who pay to visit your world. The ones you call the newcomers. There you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah." Um, and you know this is when you know Dolores is of course screaming daddy daddy because he's like right. she, the she feels on that's what's amazing about these hosts they actually feel and exhibit real human emotion and behavior mm-hmm. so it's it's crazy the amount of work and everything that went into making them so realistic and lifelike because that's what the guests want right mm-hmm. you know and, I'll, I'll, and honestly you know I know there's probably some big quotes here but just to kind of the action part of it you know with the man in black and Teddy we start seeing like Teddy gets a quick draw on him shoots him and would have killed him if he was a, a, a like a host but you know you can't kill the guests you can't harm yeah. or kill the guests and so teddy's shooting away at, at the man in black and it's not affecting him even it goes as far as put the gun on his head and teddy just like loses it and just falls to his knees and you know she grabs him and then the part that i point i was going to make is 
when she's like, "I'll do whatever you want," he's like, "I," he's like, "I want you to fight." Like, he, yeah, because like, he wants, yeah, I want you. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. He doesn't want it easy. Mm-hmm. So it's just interesting. Like it, they feel the desires of these guests the entire time. Yeah, and uh, remember, he looks down at Dolores again and says hello again right so you know they've met before too but she mm-hmm. doesn't know because we've learned very shortly that they have to wipe these bots memories every single time they have like when they get killed and that the guy get rebuilt they wipe the memories so it goes right back into a loop and they don't really know mm-hmm. you know they just think it's they're waking up all over again and just like you were saying uh one thing i did love was like he looks down at her and he's like your daddy gave it up quickly i think he's losing his touch yeah and she said uh you'll be following right behind him you son of a bitch and he said is that any way to treat an old friend <laughs> i've been coming here for 30 years but you still don't remember me do you after all we've been through they just, gave you a little more pluck dolores this is crazy you know and uh, that's actually a really good foreshadow from when we get to your boy Logan when he tells him like this place gets to everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's just amazing. You were um, just a little bit more enthusiastic about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you know the hosts you know restart them. I mean obviously he brings her into the hay bale mm-hmm. and like let's start from the beginning and like he was basically like a, about to rape her. About right? to rape her yeah, and she's know, like being dragged on. Yeah, he throws her in the hay bale thing. Yeah. And so, <laughs> the barn is what yeah, I call it. It is the barn, yeah. yeah. And then the toes are in the hay, <laughs> all that good stuff. But yeah, like the hosts restart their day. There's small changes due to what the newcomers want to do. Because this time, instead of Teddy being the one that comes up to Dolores and picks up like the can, uh, he ends up getting taken over onto a, another storyline because guests are like, hey, Teddy's the one that brought me out last time. And so he like they bring Teddy instead of Teddy going up to Dolores, picking up the can, and them having that interaction. It's actually the man in black, like this new day, where he he puts it up and gives it to her and says oh, i got other plans today dolores yeah. <laughs> so i just i think it's really interesting too but anyways we see the big research lab right um this is something that's really like i would love to know how many levels because there's like the, there's like the cold storage there's like the the behavior team there's the like the people who like i call them the surgeons that put them back together when they're broken mm-hmm. there's the qa team then there's like the, the main writer who we're going to meet here in a little bit. And then there's also like the board too. So there's right. levels to this entire right. like lab type deal. And I'm just really, I, I would love to know like every single department and what everyone's big like meaning is because someone who seems so insignificant, like the people who just like, they call yeah. them the butchers. Like <clears throat> one of them plays a, a huge role. It's like so in true. getting that, you know, it really makes you wonder like, could something like this ever be approved to exist in our world probably already does <laughs> I, mean, probably I don't, already I don't know but does. yeah it's interesting but um you know what's interesting is next with this is where we have like what clementine on the little yeah bench, and, and like, she starts examined. doing that weird like thing and and it was interesting to bernard like she does a new movement that wasn't originally programmed they called it a, a reverie so it was like micro expression like a micro expression something that you know something that was new and at first, you think it's a cool addition until you realize like that update actually causes something bad to happen later on. But the real thing about the reverie is that we assume that Ford put it in because that's what they think. But then when we find out later on, it might not actually be the case. That part threw me for a loop mm-hmm. too. So like, who actually was? You know, we're not going to mention his name. What yet? Because it's going to come up later on. But basically, the one who helped build this entire park has a huge like. Huge role, huge role and he doesn't even exist yeah. <laughs> like, like like nothing they doesn't exist but he's like not he's not right he's you don't right. see him you don't see him and like, another person i feel like we don't get didn't get enough of um from this point on like uh, one thing that i feel like she had huge potential is someone we're about to see 
in a minute that's examining Clementine. Elsie? Elsie. Okay. And um, it, it's it, this is kind of an interesting moment. Like, I almost wondered if she's, like, homosexual. No. Like, you get I that think sexual I, kind of vibe. I didn't get that. <laughs> See, for me, like, I guess she kissed her, but I don't think it was because, like, she felt attracted to her. I felt like she's like, I want to see what this feels like. I think it was more like a educational, like, learning thing. Like, hmm. Like this, this, this. this I person. think she wanted some of the, you know, no. movement in the club. Why shaking my stuff? You like that remix there I made for you guys for Westworld? I remixed it a little bit. The big dirty malice in the chalice, baby. Malice in the dirty on Elsie. Elsie caused this one. I'll say, I like I said, I don't think Elsie was it was more of a sexual encounter because it was just like a kiss. But I think she wanted to see like, like what is it that these guests get out of you know hooking up with these it. hosts like what yeah. is it then when she starts seeing how it makes it more human these micro like these micro expressions then she's like well let me like you know she just wanted to take a try on and see what it was i don't think it was anything sexual to it which but. here's a good point right like imagine you worked around these things do you know how much it would probably say you did this you know you did this every day of the week like this was your full-time job do you know how much this would mess with your mind? Like, you don't know what's these real things? and what's not? Like, dude, I mean, obviously, not to give up the big fucking surprise, but, like, you don't you don't know who, like, who's a host and who's a real guy. Like, you get so confused after a while. Yeah. You know, but then talking to real people and talking to them, like, you can dress any one of these things up, and if you dress one of them up, you don't know if it's a host or not. It's so hard to tell. Like, you know, one of them got me. <laughs> like, it, it would mess with your mind. It messed my mind just yeah. watching it. Crazy. <laughs> Now, talking about somebody who really should play a big, should have played a bigger role, and maybe he will because we didn't see the body, quote unquote. I don't want to jump too far ahead of myself, but you know, one of my favorite guys here, at least in the beginning part, was one of the other Hemsworth brothers, Luke yeah, Hemsworth, yeah. Ashley Stubbs, and he gives this really big quote that I think is supposed to resonate with you, and it did for me. Uh, you know, because when Bernard's like, you know, these are programmed not to hurt you, like that's by design. Mm-hmm. And so what he says, and his name in the show is Ashley Stubbs. It's interesting, a guy's name is Ashley. <laughs> yeah, Ashley I thought Stubbs. it was strange too. But, but hey. his actual quote here was, you don't have kids at home, do you, Bernard? Bernard says, no. And Ashley says, if you did, you'd know that they all rebel eventually. Now, that's huge because now, like, you know, I know there's some things in between, you know, Elsie and that happening. But the point is, is why I think that's super big for the arc is that, He's basically predicting that these things will take on a mind of their own mm-hmm. and, you know, end up hurting and attacking you later on, which, you know, as we find out, that's exactly what they do. Right. And then it's also super ironic for Bernard himself, too. And I won't tell you why yet, but I've got it written down to make this come full circle for us later on in, in, in a later episode. Which I do want to say just a quick little thing about Elsie. I think this does kind of prove your point, like she was doing it just for... Educational purposes? Yeah. To feel like, I guess, what a guest feels. Because... Mm-hmm. Um, you know like she was kind of talking to she was basically like you were saying you know she was kind of asking as well like whether they react upon memories um but then she makes a statement um to i guess like her agent or something that was there like a nobody and she said a hooker with hidden depths every man's dream so it makes you kind of think you know maybe that's really why besides she was I mean, she grasped that thing. She wanted some of that. Oh, <laughs> yeah. But uh, I think she even got a little tongue action in there in the mouth. You know what, <laughs> yeah. You know what's crazy too? 
you know, Chase always goes off in these wild things. He wants <laughs> to keep going and get a reaction out of me. But, <laughs> like, I try to kind of keep him pushing forward into it. But this next thing that kind of happens after the whole, like, Ashley Stubbs quote about all children rebel eventually is that, you know, Bernard's talking to, to Teresa now. And he basically tells you, you know, we haven't had a critical failure in over 30 years. And what she says is that means we're overdue. Yeah. So we're having all these these buildups, like these quotes that are going to come back full circle later on, you know, kind of like you would expect. You'd hear these things and you're like, okay, obviously there's there's a point and reason why they're saying these things. Right. So she's saying they're overdue for a critical failure. So already we've got, you know, three or four huge quote moments that are going to come play a bigger role later on as the series goes. And it's just great writing. And then what we, we see the cold storage, right? We go down. Yeah. We, uh, I called it like the decommissioned lab. Well, it kind of, it kind <laughs> of is. Like, that's, what it that's what it is. Every time they decommission a host, they bring it down yeah. into cold storage, which is kind of weird because it's almost like, you know, cryogenically freezing, like real humans. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, how they have that funny um, running joke that uh, uh, Walt Disney is actually frozen underground. Yeah. Like his body's yeah. frozen <laughs> to preserve it. So it's like, it's kind of like that, but like for these hosts, they keep it cold so that way like, there's no rot or decay or anything like that. Because keep in mind, they made these hosts as close to human tissue and skin and organs as they possibly could. Could you imagine walking through that? Like, they're all naked. Creepy as fuck. Is, they're all, like, yeah, like, motionless. That would be a badass Horror Nights house. Yeah, <laughs> they should make a Westworld house. That would be freaky. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, Westworld is not scary, though. That's the thing. Yeah. But, like, that one part is kind of it's kind of weird. Especially, remember what happens at the end of Season 1? When mm-hmm. they go down to cold storage? Mm-hmm. And then you're like, what the fuck? Yeah, <laughs> like, what the fuck so, is this, dude? I, uh, not to, yeah. you know, just give you guys a little cliffhanger there. But, yeah. uh... You know, but this is where we meet our maniacal genius, genius, (laughs) Mr. Robert Ford. (laughs) (laughs) Introduce him, (laughs) Mr. Robert Ford. And I thought it was—it's weird the way he interacts with these things. It's Mm -hmm. like they're—he doesn't really have friends except for these hosts he's created. But the thing is, I almost kind of thought as he's—he's like their father. Like he—he, you know, Mm -hmm. he's like tinkering around trying to make them, you know live the life he designed for them kind of like we were talking about like how you know sometimes i think some parents think of children as as investments instead of their own humans and like sometimes they get disappointed or want them to walk a certain path but they don't realize that they're their own person they have to yeah so like this is kind of what i feel for him but because they're their host they do exactly what he wants exactly and it's funny because of how crazy this whole big loop comes later on so um yeah, I, this is one thing I wrote down because he's interacting with what's called Old Bill. Yeah. And the reason why I, I, I wrote down this was important, big bullet mm-hmm. point here. He says, Old Bill here was always a good listener. He was the second host we ever built. Old Bill was the second host. Mm-hmm. So meaning this is 30 years ago. Old Bill is... But the thing is, like, keep in mind, since he's a second one, he has a lot of glitches. You know, he only knows a certain number of phrases and words and when he drinks like the the um the shot he's like joey cheers to the woman in the white yeah. shoes like, yeah, like he only weird. knows a certain number of stuff and then he's like oh you'll put yourself away right bill so why i think that's important is because we figure out later on who is actually the very first host ever built who's super modern and updated and kept along the lines of everything else that has been growing over the past 30 years yeah mm-hmm uh, and then we're kind of jumping back over to Dolores for just a, a little bit. And um, she goes and kind of runs errands and stuff, but she interacts with her father. Um, and 
this isn't it's a little bit later on when we get a big moment from her father but she's just kind of interacting with them and then you see the black train arrives with teddy again um, and the same events are kind of playing out in the brothel that you saw before. So you're starting to see everything's like repeating itself. So with small subtle strange. changes. Yeah, because small, like, like I said, changes. like they do change small things to fit the storylines and loops of the guests mm-hmm. that come in and try to do stuff. And one big thing that plays out later on is the piano that like mm-hmm. plays by itself in the. I call it the brothel saloon. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a great that's a great way to put it. The yeah. brothel saloon is actually kind of a cool damn name. Like, <laughs> could you imagine? Saloon. I mean, there probably are places like this. Like, you go to a bar and you think it's like a bar, and then these women are like, "Hey, want to go upstairs and get your fuck on?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're like, what? <laughs> I guess that's just. The thing, called, but the thing yeah. is, like, keep in mind. Remember, she said our prices are fixed and posted on the door, so they know when before they yeah, go in. Yeah, you I, you're like, that's called a strip club. We don't <laughs> go to those. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sure. Yeah. Um, but no. So the, talk, go back into that a little bit about you know where we're at with the the saloon. Yeah. So um, we're in there with the saloon, and to do. Uh, so Clementine approaches Teddy, and then Dolores appears again. Um, so the difference is you have two new guests. So then the man in black appears at some point and says. Sweet, not as sweet as you, I'm afraid. I have other plans tonight. Uh, okay, we kind of talked about Three that already. Jump a minute? Yeah, we okay, already talked gotcha. about that. that. was when like, the man in black came up to her and grabbed the gotcha. can instead of it being Teddy that grabbed the can. Gotcha. So kind of um, like, the biggest thing I have the, here. Oh, yes, okay. that malfunction, right? Is that what you're going to talk about? No, the, oh, the okay. sheriff. Yeah, yeah, okay, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that is yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, the sherif. Okay, yeah. oh, you said the guest yeah. malfunction. Well, oh, sorry, the host. Got it. Sorry, not yeah. the guest. The no, host. yeah, for sure. Yes. Yeah. So you know, they they end up. Uh, there's two guests that arrive. It's a man and a wife, and they want to go and and take one of these storylines out of town in the hills. Because what's what's really cool, and we learn about it in I think next episode, is that you know, as for the further you expand from the center, the more intense the experience gets for guests. And so when they accepted the sheriff's invitation to go on the hunt for one of the bandits. They get to a certain point, and then all of a sudden, the sheriff starts malfunctioning. And it was weird. It's like having a seizure. Like the eye comes to the side, like yeah. flies like around its mouth, and it's like, eh, like, like it ha- it's rah. having a full blown malfunction. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't you imagine how freaked out you'd be if you were a guest? Like, imagine if you were in like, you know, like Walt Disney World or something, and like one of the characters, like Pocahontas or something, was like, <laughs> like, uh, someone want to yeah, call an ambulance no. here? <laughs> no. <laughs> for sure uh, but um yeah so and then you have bernard and Teresa start examining that malfunctioning specimen trying to figure out what's going on which is crazy because this is one thing that i learned here and i wrote this down not not necessarily because the quote was important but because of what was said in it like now we a little bit we know a little bit about how the hosts are designed and built mm-hmm. he tells her her the, the co the his core code is intact <clears throat> he can't hurt a guest and literally can't hurt a fly which is interesting because this fly thing is going to come up at the very end of this episode. But the point is, is this core code. So now we know that there there's certain codes and coding into them that, you know, if by any chance, you know, and, and actually, actually Ashley Stubbs later on says, mm-hmm. the only thing keeping these things from killing us is one line of your code. So yeah. now we understand that, like, there's a coding that prevents them from taking part in actually harming and disrupting guests, like, right. experience like, exactly. in a negative way. So in at this moment this is when they start talking about you know i guess like rewriting the code like you were saying but also in the narratives and then one of my favorite people kind of step in here at the minute and this is lee 
Lee Sizemore. <laughs> Lee, man. He, this dude's a motherfucking baller, dude. Like, there's one point he's where he was like... He's hilarious. He's fucking crazy, dude. Like, a psycho. But think about it. He has to be. He's writing all these fantasies. All the shit's going up inside his own head. Because mm-hmm. remember, like, when... I don't want to get too far ahead of what he says, but in a couple, you know, scenes here, he says, you know, Ford hasn't weighed in on storylines in years. Meaning, everything that's been happening for however many years that was since Ford weighed in on him has all been through Lee's head. So, of course, he's a psycho. All these fantasies are coming from him. <laughs> he's almost, like, bipolar at Oh, shit, for though. sure. Like, yeah. imagine, like, doing some of the shit you, he does to his bosses. Could you imagine Dude. doing that? Like, acting so out of character? Crazy. Now, one thing that happens, so they approach him about these narratives real quick. And yeah. I don't want to say this just because how r- fucking crazy as shows he is. So they talk about him, like, rewriting his stories. And he goes, are you, to Teresa, are you fucking kidding me that's 200 hosts spread across a dozen active storylines the guests interrupt your precision storylines all the time when they want to shot when they want to shoot or fuck something no when they want to we sell when they want when they want to yeah we sell complete immersion in a hundred interconnecting narratives a relentless fucking experience could you imagine like handling yourself like that <laughs> in front of your boss in front of your boss like just blowing up and he goes now you want to pull one character the overall story you just you pull 200 at once it's a fucking disaster i mean what do you propose we do close him down give away fucking gift certificates because <laughs> <laughs> keep in mind these guests pay forty thousand dollars a day yeah, <laughs> so it's it's great and i it just goes to show like it, it it's it's like if you put yourself in his shoes like you were saying though like all this work ultimately falls on him like this is the narrative mm-hmm. but he kind of gets like fucked over through this entire story yeah for sure i mean the next the next part i'm sure you've got some stuff in between it but the next thing that i really found important to the storyline is you know there's a family with with a boy they're walking down and they they stumble upon dolores painting mm-hmm. and she's painting like you know the cattle and like the scenery and anyways you know, the, the first thing you hear is like, hey, you know, we're not going to cross the river. That's too intense for, for our boy or whatever. Our son's not old enough to do this. So, you know, she she basically invites the boy over to get a closer look at the cattle. Now, what's crazy about this is he decides to tell her, you're not real, which mm-hmm. is crazy because, you know, I was always wondering, like, how do the or how are these hosts like programmed to respond when they're told what they really are, if a guest ever wants to be an asshole and, and try to ruin the experience for them, right? Mm-hmm. And so the crazy part is, it's like she she basically says that she's got to go. Like like they're they're programmed to ignore these type of occurrences, right? Meaning like it's almost like she didn't hear him. It's like you asked me a question, I was like, oh, you know, have a great day, and then has to have to walk mm-hmm. off. So it was just one of those things that's super important because. And there's has to be many times where people want to get like too cute and sly and just kind of be douchey and be like tell tell the host exactly what they are and i was always wondering how they were going to handle that and so basically they're, they're programmed to pretend they didn't hear it and to get away from them right which like, yeah which plays a big moment way later on which yeah. is really cool um but yeah and you, you did you tell the quote about the boy what he says to dolores so like you're not, you're not yeah real, like yeah. you're not real mm-hmm. um but and then you know he's with his parents and the parents are just kind of staring at her right the entire time um and then you know we kind of go back to dolores's father for peter abernathy 
Peter, <laughs> get your Peter on. And he discovers this photo, and you're like, who is this person? Why does it even make sense to We find story? out what it is later, and so that's yeah. how we know that there's going to be different timelines coming up through this entire thing. So, mm-hmm. yeah, he finds a picture of a woman, um, but, like, it starts to throw him into a weird, like, he, into weird phase. So, it's like he found something he wasn't supposed to find. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, and then you kind of go back to Lee for just a short moment, and he tells Teresa um, there shouldn't be any more updates in Westworld because the hosts um, can only basically manage so much um, in their maintenance cost. It, it gets expensive, like the maintenance cost. And he says, changing of the guard is long overdue. I just wanted you to know that you have my support and that I know our cooperation real interest is in place and it goes way beyond you know gratifying some rich assholes that want to play a cowboy so he's going back to her kind of more like apologizing for the way he acted for just a moment this is when they were kind of on that bridge i know what you're talking about because i I got something completely different out of that interaction between the two of them because then she she goes on and to say something about like you know i know you're probably going to read the exact quote but like you're smart enough to know there's a bigger picture here but that's what i was gonna say you're you're not smart to know exactly what that is and that makes like your help basically useless right Mm -hmm. but the biggest point here, and like you know, regardless of the quotes, this is the point. There's a huge conflict between Robert Ford and the others about making the hosts more and more lifelike versus keeping them the same as what they are. So Robert Ford's like trying to keep pushing and pushing to make them more human, more lifelike, make the experience more realistic. And Sizemore and Teresa and even the board that we haven't really seen yet, but we're starting to hear more about, mm-hmm. like they they're saying that you know we don't you don't want your husband you don't want you want to be a wife thinking your husband's actually fucking a real other person there. exactly like those things yeah. like you know like they're real enough basically is what they're saying like we need to start working on other things other than making them more mm-hmm. lifelike so that's more like you said cost effective exactly so that was the biggest thing to me is we're starting to see the big conflict between ford and his peers and then eventually the board the board right i mean the only reason i like the quote is because it shows like how they kind of just shit on lee Teresa is just a big quote she just says and here i thought you were only good for writing depraved little fantasies you're right this place is one thing to the guest and another to the shareholders it's something completely different to management so enlighten me what do you think management reels management's real interests are you're smart enough to guess there's a bigger picture but not smart enough to see what it is you know how much use that makes your support to me fuck all get some sleep mr sizemore you'll have more rich assholes to gratify tomorrow so basically exactly what i said meaning like his his help was useless because he knows something's not right but he doesn't know what it is yeah but like it's an it's annoying because like he's the one that writes all these narratives and they see like no potential in this guy especially like later on when he tries to give a new thing to mm-hmm. the board and then you know he gets <laughs> he gets <Yeah. laughs> uh nipped in the butt at the 11th hour <laughs> but uh <laughs> anyways now we get back to into westworld present day westworld with um rebus's henchman walter he ends up killing six hosts and he leaves two alive now what's weird about it you can see he's like hearing things inside his head because he starts like talking to nobody it's like he's talking out loud but no one's even saying anything to him and he even says the word arnold which you know we find out is going to come into big play later on but the thing is i got confused about and to this day i'm still confused i want someone to help me out here maybe chase can ashley stubbs says there's two guests inside and that they'll go talk to the guests 
But later on, when Elsie looks at the video surveillance of exactly what happened during that moment, she said, he kills six hosts, but leaves the other three alive. There was one at the piano and two in the corner. So were the other two guests or were the other two hosts? Because Ashley Stubbs says they're ho- or the guests, and then Elsie says they're hosts. See, I thought they were guests because he a said host they're guests. can't attack a guest, so he just left them there. Right, but then and then that thing, too, later on when Elsie says that, she's like, there was a reason why he left the other ones alone because they didn't attack him in other storylines. The other ones killed Walter in other storylines, and so he was getting his revenge on him, and he was holding that grudge. So what? That's so confusing. The only other thing I can think of is if she was referring to how, when things happen down the road, how they can refer to past grudges. Right, but that, I mean, that's not the question I have. My question is, who are the additional people in the room that did not get shot and killed? Are they hosts or are they guests? Because Ashley Stubbs says they're guests. Say, I'll go talk to the other two guests inside. You guys clean this up out here. So we hear that they're guests there. But then when we get the video surveillance and we see all the six people that Walter shot and killed on the ground, and you see the two people cowering in the corner, then one guy's playing the piano. He's like, she goes, he killed six hosts, but he left those three alone. So, like, are they hosts or are they guests? I don't know. And that's my Yeah, I don't like, know. And I was I'll thinking, show you that mem- moment later on if we yeah. ever get to it. But See, I just assume they're guests because that's what he called them. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's a weird one. So I have questions on it. If you got the answer for me, hit your boy up. <laughs> but to, to go on a little bit further from there, um, you know, we start this, – this is where, uh, what, Bernard and, and uh, Ford start talking again? Is that what ha- kind of happens after that whole Walter situation where he has that – he does that weird thing. He shoots all these weird things, and then, you're a grown boy. You're a grown boy. Like, you know. <laughs> that was this weird. Is so weird. Like, you know. That was, that's mean, where she – that's where Teresa gets in Bernard's face. Like, this is not a minor improvisation. It was like, some weird shit. I hate this fucking villain. Walter. He was like – well, the other dude, yeah, was like pouring the milk and was like, "You're a grown yeah. boy, you're a grown boy," and then they, and they stop it, it. Yeah, exactly. Because even they're like, "This is fucking strange." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's like, "This is not a minor you're improvisation." A there's, there's, a, and then that's what Bernard says is like, "Okay, so now we know where the error is. It's in the update with the reveries. So they think they know the answer to the issue now, which is that the the updates what's caused this, which is." Mm-hmm. We find out that's not the case. Yeah, and the way they're going to solve this, Teresa says, I've told our overestimated friend to advance to the saloon heist a week and make it twice as bloody. should give us the cover to recall the remaining host, and the guests will love it. Yeah. So that, like, this is the thing. Is like, you know, They've got to find a way to cover for them not being able to use a full experience because now they are going to have to pull all the hosts that they updated, the 10% mm-hmm. of the population, the 200 hosts that they didn't want to do in the beginning because Lee Sizemore lost his fucking mind saying... You know, <laughs> fucking gift yeah, certificates! Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, anyways, uh, it's, it's crazy because now we get to the point where like to- uh, Robert Ford and um, Bernard are talking and they're yeah. having this crazy interaction. And the reason why I say it's crazy is because there's a very important quote that helped me understand the second time i watched it it was a wink to what was forward to come and right. exactly what we find out because this is what robert ford says to bernard you're a product of a million mistakes that was our first clue into understanding you know a little bit about bernard i'll right. say that mm-hmm. but it's a, that was a really big big moment there um then we kind of go to the man in black yeah. and he's like chopped this dude up he's like bleeding <laughs> out him. leaders right so nasty he yeah what i say you know because like they had the whole game and they close up shop like not the, we don't want to 
you know, give you guys just stupid stuff you can just watch. But the part that's really important is the man in black, he says this quote, there's a deeper level to this game. Mm -hmm. He scalps, the, the, the host name was Kissy. He scalps Kissy, and underneath the scalp, what do we see? You see the maze. Yes, exactly, <laughs> you see the maze. So you get the big quote, there's a deeper level to this game, and then you see the maze that's on, underneath Kissy's scalp. And then um, we kind of go back to uh, uh, what Dolores' father, right? Mm -hmm. Tell him a little bit about what happens there. And Dolores' father, uh, so Dolores wakes up again, first of all, in the bed. Like, it's like it repeats that day. Yeah. So she keeps, like, repeating the same day. Um, and you have very similar scenes to what happens before. But Dolores' father says to Dolores, I had a question. A question you're not supposed to ask, which gave me an answer. You're not supposed to an know. An answer you're not supposed to know. What is that? That's the crazy part. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, Dolores says, what's wrong, Daddy? And her father goes, would you like to know the the, yeah. the question? That's and he's like, that weird seizure type deal like the sheriff did. Yeah. And um, her father says, you should leave. Go quick. Don't you see? Hell is empty and all the devils are here. Mm -hmm. And... Um, he whispers a question to Dolores, and you can't really Not a hear question, it. a statement. A statement, yeah. He whispers a statement, but you can't hear it at this time yet. Yeah. Um, and then she rides to the town and sees Teddy. And then that kind of jumps us over to them pulling him out, and he's kind of <laughs> in the research lab. Right. About Dolores' right. dad. <laughs> yeah. And they start... Like they like this is where Ford's questioning him personally. Imagine like how bad you had to have malfunctioned to for like the top guy to have to come and see you. Mm -hmm. That's like me going to the hospital and you know a doctor's checking me out, but then like something's gone so wrong that the head of surgery himself, the guy, comes in into my room and starts yeah, speaking to me. Exactly. So you know something's real fucking right now. Yeah. So mm -hmm. I, I, I thought that was pretty important to say there. But uh, the biggest quote here, they have a little interaction. He starts like, trying to figure out, you know. Because they're talking about just immediately shutting him down, decommissioning him. He's like, mm -hmm. "Don't you figure out? We gotta figure out why first. Like, let's get to right. the answers. Like, you know, let's get this uh, thing on the show, show on the road." So the biggest part here, when he starts asking these questions, the biggest quote that stuck out to me is like, "He was uh, when Peter Abernathy starts responding to him. He says, the things they do to her, the things you do to her, if he remembers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like he has that memory bank. Like he now knows the stuff that like they, they, they put." Dolores through like the right. rape in the barn and the village yeah, and like the shooting right. and killings and mm -hmm. the death. So, you know, this is and that's why he wants to warn Dolores. And so that's uh, you know he says this word these, these words too because I mean keep in mind we find out how he knows these words in just a second. But when he says these words, they're so chilling. He says, "I shall have such revenges on you." Like he has this big old quote. Do you have exactly what that quote is? Uh, I didn't have that. Quote. Not because it's, it's not that yeah. important, right? But he says, like, you know, I shall have such revenges on you, uh, you know, the, you're a prison of your own sins. Mm -hmm. So that's crazy because that quote actually comes back around later on, and it's exactly right. He he is kind of a prison of his own sins. Robert Ford is. Um, and then we go to Lee a little bit. He's like standing well, over the map. Before, right before we, yeah, right before we do okay, this, because right I wanted, gotcha. I wanted to get into this. Well, um. We this is something that Ford says back to you know in response to like this Abernathy guy like really going off on that weird tangent you know he basically tells him like that's Shakespeare he used to be another uh, storyline way back and like that's where he got those words from so it's not actually him thinking that and him saying that mm -hmm. out of his own mind like these are things that he's he's improving from previous you know pulling back uh, from memories and so the words that Robert Ford uses he says 
it, no need to worry. It's just our old work coming back to haunt us. Mm-hmm. Our old work coming back to haunt us. Tell me if that's not fucking foreshadowing. Yeah, that's fuck. foreshadowing. It's funny. So, yeah. Um, what's this? What did I say here? When Bernard says reveries allow them to access previous uses, so that's you know that's that's what that is because like you know the reveries are what gave him access to those previous uses, letting him know that he wasn't just Dolores's dad, that he had those other. That's why he could pull those other quotes that he used to use. Someone who liked to quote Shakespeare. So just to give you guys an idea of how he was able to say those words. But the biggest thing here is now you know like I said, Ford even says it himself. Our old work coming back to haunt us. Mainly, it's supposed to make you think it's a minor thing right here with just this one host ends up being kind of the real tell of the whole series yeah go ahead <laughs> <laughs> my boy lee man i always like the characters that really aren't like that important but they just ah oh, man they just get over thing is lee is important though he wrote all of this for the most part he wrote the he's important to yeah. an extent as of <laughs> right now one moment yeah, yeah. But so Lee is like overlooking the park and he's bragging about this narrative he wrote to basically decommission all these, not decommission, but, you know, they're going to replace these hosts Mm -hmm. because they're malfunctioning, right? And he said, uh, you know, he's had like, (laughs) he's like, they're talking to him about this narrative and he says, I've had considerable effort, but a lack of sleep. I've merged the message of my events to inspire Hector to head into the town a week early. And, oh, I've also punched up a speech so that he gives a (laughs) robbing to this saloon. It's chilling. You'll see. And then Teresa just, you have this laugh your ass off moment. And she goes, oh, man, I can barely contain myself. And he's, like, so stoked about this speech and no one gives a shit. Right. (laughs) Like, when... This is a funny side note. Malice in the Chalice card. Oh, fuck yeah. Nice. (laughs) Malice in the Chalice, baby. Yeah, Yeah, good stuff. So, I'm just going to use this Malice real quick. Mm. You're good. Not important at all, but it was very similar to when Chase told me that, like, he wrote the Daenerys' speech in Game of Thrones in both English and Valyrian, and I was like, okay. (laughs) <laughs> like, okay, yeah. like, like he was super okay. excited he's like yeah bro I learned I learned Valyrian and Dothraki and I do it in English too he's like super pumped about it I was like cool cool bro cool. <laughs> so but that's just so funny but yeah keep keep going on I'm gonna throw this to the shadow realm wow, that was the that, quickest uh, malice in the shadow that's all I, I wanted to throw received. in just something little, little fuck yeah we'll play yeah. Lee's what? the tits McGee go on go on with this little <laughs> well he's good he's not as good as one other guy the no, whole season <laughs> anyways uh so then you have this big moment where, you know, Hector, ooh, Hector, he's kind of a badass. He's Dude, got he's that so cool, cool they, 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 they come in, like, over, like, little hoods. Like, it's him and a couple other people, the Armistice and some other, like, mm-hmm. bandits with him. It's so dope. Let's talk about that fucking jacket he's wearing. <laughs> Man, is this Dracula 2000? <laughs> Holy fuck. It was, like, laced down the thing, so he has, like, the buttons and shit. He's got the black hat on. Um, but yeah, he he shoots the sheriff as he walks in, uh, and rides up on the uh, sheriff's horse. And the sheriff says, um, "You son of a bitch!" And he just like starts rifling everyone in the town with armistice. Like everyone around is fucking dying <laughs> <laughs> everywhere. That's um, the sheriff's horse. His rifle too. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. His rifle too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. shoots and kills everyone. Yeah, because like, Ar- yeah, I was actually the deputy that confronted him because that yeah, the sheriff that's he right. killed the sheriff. Remember the sheriff's in decommissioned. Yeah, the sheriff. So, okay, so de- yeah, he the killed the deputy. Yeah, did not kill the deputy. I, I shot the sheriff. I did not shoot. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> fucking great. Oh, that's fucking malice. That's a, that's, 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 that's a little cheers, bro. Fuck yeah. 
But get through this scene because like what happens yeah. here, yeah. This but Armistice a- um then she blows up that wagon. So like shit's going haywire. Mm-hmm. Uh Hector like walks into the bar, shoots the bartender, and is like taking a shot himself. And that's when Maeve walks in and she goes, All the banks around here and you fucking are <laughs> Reprocrats uh, choose to rob us. Hector, why not? You're all here indulging in your particular vices, and so I've got to indulge in mine. And this is when Armistice is like still shooting everyone outside, and Teddy and Dolores wind up like dodging bullets as yeah. they're like running across the thing. And uh, Teddy gets shot as he was like trying to run across. Um, Hector walks over to Maeve, chugs his next shot of whiskey. Uh, Maeve. You're a low-down son of a bitch, aren't you? Hector, I know. I know we both believe the same thing, no matter how dirty the business. Do it well. And um, at this moment, you know, he tips his hat to Maeve. Uh, two of Hector's men walk over, and they're tying the rope, like, around the safe. And the thief says, uh, no telling there's anything worthwhile in that safe. That's foreshadowing. Dude, that's, like, that's, dude that's exactly when I knew. When he said mm-hmm. that, I already know there's nothing in the safe. Yeah. It's um, just a storyline. Like spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, just right, that, that, yeah, yeah, that's just what I found out. Like yeah. I knew it. They can know it. <laughs> oh yeah. And he says, uh, we should take this sweet little bitch just in case. And Mate shoots him uh through the back of the head and like he's gone. Maeve sticks up for herself. And it goes like the blood goes all over Clementine. But keep, <laughs> keep in mind, guys, this whole scene, like we, like it's it's not that it's super important because it's all story. This yeah, whole thing it's is just all story. a narrative. It's all a narrative. Yeah, it's, it's all crazy. A narrative. So it's not like these people are having these conscious thoughts and doing this. Yeah, it's all strings being pulled. And um, Hector says the problem with the righteous is he can't shoot for shit. He Make, can't shoot for <laughs> shit. Yeah, making a hell of a racket though is what Arvisus says. Uh, Lee and Teresa look over the scene and Hector goes out to start making this speech. He says, you wanted me? Well, this is a lesson. The lesson is... And Hector's gone. Yeah, and it was actually ended up being that one guy who went out with his wife with the sheriff and the sheriff malfunctioned and they came back down and then they start having this huge moment like, oh my gosh, yeah, let's take pictures. Yay. Like, you know, they they had like that whole thing like they wanted to celebrate it and so Lee was so let down though. He was so sad. Like, Like, oh Jesus. Like, like... (laughs) And even Teresa looked at him and, like, she was actually, I bet, dude, she looked like she was happy that that actually happened. So. And remember, like, it was even more fucked up because, like, Armistice was on the ground, like, getting shot, twitching, and the guests are shooting her, and they're yeah. laughing, and they're, like, Leah's just there with his head she's down. She's like, wriggling, she's wriggling, but. It was fucked up. To kind of close yeah. us out of, of episode one so we can get into episode two of what actually is really important here, there's three major things left that I really wanted to stress. Because now Stubbs is, is questioning Dolores about what her father said to her mm-hmm. and this is where that that quote really comes back into play because this is a quote that repeats itself about three or four times throughout the season she he asked what did your father tell you and she said the violent delights have violent ends mm-hmm. and so basically what what did if you ask me what i got from that quote and i think chase i don't know if you got the same thing we didn't talk about this ahead of time for me that quote meant to me you reap what you sow like that's basically me like these violent delights the things that make you happy these violent things that you do they have violent ends so it's like you reap what you sow you get what you give so that's what i really found out because like when we think especially when we find out what actually happens later on the very last episode when shit starts to get real yeah i think so i think it's exactly what it means like you reap what you sow that's the way i i I took it yeah i think that's right i mean i was thinking it like you know these things that are so pleasant 
will have violent repercussions no matter what happens. Oh. But I mean, I guess that really goes into you reap what you sow. Yeah. So yeah. Violent delights have violent ends. And then so th- then they start keep continuing their conversation and Stubbs says to Dolores, would you ever hurt a living thing? And Dolores says, no, of course not. Right? And so the, dur- during this time, like Stubbs is talking to one of the other like researchers and we actually find out Dolores is the oldest host in the park. This is the part I was talking about b- mm-hmm. before. Old Bill was the second oldest. Dolores is the oldest. But the thing is, is she's been updated and made brand new so many different mm-hmm. times. But you start to think, maybe that's the reason why she's a little bit different. If you don't see our Dolores here up front. But so uh, I, that's why I think she is a little bit different is because she's been around. She's, she hasn't been decommissioned like these other ones that have malfunction and they've decided over the past 30 years right. not to do it. So that's why, we, that's why she might be like the, one of the main focal points of this show is that she's been you know, repaired and rebuilt all the way through like in her, con- her quote unquote core code or her conscious, you know, that we don't want to get anything away has been altered and altered and altered instead of just letting her die and lie in cold storage, they throw her back in the thing each and every time. And so they actually change her father's host in the park. It's no longer the same guy, the Peter yeah. Abernathy. It's yeah. actually a different one because they decommission him and send him and Walter down to cold storage. Right? Right. And so we see the maze underneath Kissy's scalp, but the way that the episode one closes out, and so we can get into episode two here, and we take so long with these sometimes, but... What is super important, a fly lands on Dolores' neck. That was it. Okay, yeah. And yeah. she slaps it. Mm-hmm. Why is that important? What I just say about three or four sentences ago, Stubb says to her, would you ever hurt a living thing? And she says, no. The fly lands on her, and she kills the fly. She hurt a living thing. Super, super important there. Yeah. And so that's what I have kind of, putting out to episode one now we're gonna go into episode two with your boy oh yeah boy. the best one of all oh he's the worst the best that never so was much. oh he's the fucking well we don't best, even know man. yet because i mean we still like there's still three two more seasons yeah. that we haven't even seen so. i love this scene by the way when it opens up it reminds me it's like there's a long oh. black train <laughs> oh yeah and you have um, some johnny cash <laughs> oh yeah First of all, like when episode two starts, you kind of had that same repercussion again, where Bernard is like, "Wake up, Dolores!" Yes, and you're having that repeating kind of moment there. So you're starting to wonder because Bernard even says, "Do you remember?" Yeah, yeah. When we talk like, yeah. about like our conversations. Mm-hmm. So it's like he's obviously taken an interest in Dolores because we don't see him having these interactions with any other host. Mm-hmm. And here's one thing I noticed: so you get introduced to this guy that's going to Westworld, right? Mm-hmm. And it and first thing you see is he if you look closely you see this picture and it's that guy in a coffin for like a minute if i'll point it out to you on the show okay and so i thought that was really weird because you see william who we're introduced to Mm -hmm. and you actually see him in a coffin at one point almost like he was like just posing for a picture um but i thought it was very strange but um you so you have william and he's with logan and they're on this train right and on the train, Logan goes, where we're going, <laughs> she's a two. Right, because I, I, <laughs> yeah. I had one of the hosts come up and, like, you could see that William was kind of, like, one of those, like, antisocial, you know, 
he's good at what he does, but he's very to himself, you know. He's, he's the Eddard Stark of fucking. <laughs> I wouldn't even say that. I would say kind of like the Sam Tarly, but like okay, more Sam fit, Tarly, but more yeah, fit, like Sam Tarly, shape. not fat. But like, yeah, he, but he's poorly. like he's like a little socially awkward. You know, he doesn't really know what to do around women. He doesn't have like those crazy life experiences. He's just one of those guys that kind of, you know, not not to put anyone down or anything like that, but in high school, the ones that maybe weren't so popular but grew up to be very successful later on because they were really very smart. Yeah. So like, I, I just think that's basically what his character is at the beginning. Here's how I love like how fucked up this dude is. So William, uh, let's address this before just so people can get an understanding. So William is really engaged to logan's sister married 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 right right married and uh logan when they get off the train could you imagine your brother-in-law saying this he said she fucked her sherry cowboy <laughs> 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 i didn't write that down and just remembered that it was so good like he's <sighs> so fucked up and it's like uh so this other uh this woman in white like walks up and she's like welcome to westworld right yeah and she's taking him up the escalator and uh william um said what's it for exactly and the woman says to make sure we don't give you more than you can handle right she asked him about his like medical history right. like you know all that so he's allergic to anything like all those kind mm-hmm. of things almost like a doctor's examination exactly kind of. right so it's kind of funny that's why he was like yo what, what's with all this yeah. and she's like, well you gotta make sure you know she's and then he says you know i thought you can't get hurt here she's like, oh, just the right Only amount the right amount yeah. yeah exactly and um you know then they take him to the room and uh, the big thing here is you know of course you have their guns and the knives don't take and stuff. my spot don't think my oh i'm not i was about. actually okay. <laughs> all about the low i was so upset right, <laughs> right before then though you have kind of this sexual moment because you realize something about this woman this isn't just a normal woman you know she kind of starts coming on to william for a moment and she's like we can stay here a little bit longer if you would like right and he was asking this whole time, are you a host? And, like, you know, she yeah. wouldn't answer him. But you could tell she was, you know. like. And she said, well, if you can't tell, does it matter? Right. And that's when you start to realize, wow, like, this place is, like, fucked up. Um, that, that, exactly. You can't, you can't tell what's real and what's not. <laughs> yeah. And keep in mind, this timeline isn't the same. Like, like you know, and I know mm-hmm. that's, that's what I'm saying. This is... This is years ago years I, I, ago yeah. yeah which they're gonna find which out you don't soon. know when well, you don't know when you first watch this in episode two you might think it's the present like yeah yeah and it um yeah and uh she says you don't have to worry about what most people do right because that's he, he's so insecure he's like well you know what do most people do he's almost like he wants the decisions to be made for him he's very scared he's very timid he doesn't know who he is and that's the whole point of his trip with logan is to really find out who he is as a person because yeah. he's very, very mm-hmm. timid, very, very shy, like, like do no harm type of dude. Exactly. And, I mean, he still kind of bitches out in this moment and doesn't yeah. get his sleigh on. Well, I mean, he's got a wife. <laughs> he did the right thing. Moral, morally his, did the right thing. Even though his wife, according to Logan, rode her share of cowboys. That's the thing, though. It's like, <laughs> but, like, knowing Logan and just seeing the type of character that he is, yeah. like, did she really do that? Or is he just trying to get a rise out of William to, right. again to do something, like, fucked up? Exactly. It's like, it's like me trying to corrupt one of my, like, innocent friends. Like, you know, me trying to get Chase to do something stupid. Like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, 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 like did that really happen or am I just saying that to get you all riled up so maybe i think it'd be more of me trying to get you to do something stupid eh, I don't know. <laughs> the bad, i'm the bad guy <laughs> do, 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 do. yeah billy island <laughs> Yo, fuck yeah but this is kind of so we have a, actually a little bit of moment in here for just a minute right before that before he walks into your yeah scene. i know but one thing i want to say even before that before we okay, get into the yeah, room go, yeah this is where you find out 
when she says this with these words, we get to understand Westworld a little bit more. Mm-hmm. The further you venture from the center, the more intense the experience gets. Mm-hmm. So that's really important because when we we kind of follow William and Logan's adventures, they start right there in the middle at Sweetwater. Then they get they, you know I'm not to yeah. give anything away, but they get way far outside of it. And so I thought that's really important because. The more intense the experience gets, the more real it feels, and the more real it feels, the more you get lost in it. And I think that's exactly what yeah. happens to our boy. Listen so. to what like his little bitch moment is. I wasn't even gonna read that because we like to try to be efficient here. But it's just <laughs> some of the moments are so ridiculous. Like, listen to how he bitches out, dude. She goes, "Do you really understand, William?" And she puts like his arm around like, like Her, puts like, his arm back, back around the small and unbuttons back. his yeah. shirt and stuff. Starts like, taking yeah. off his clothes. And he says, she says, we could stay here a while if you like. Take as long as you want. And fucking William goes, thank you. I don't want to keep my friend waiting. Like Logan gave a shit. That's like, like Bran. Yeah. I must go now. Right. <laughs> exactly, honestly. <laughs> Getting that sweet peach. And then so to your point, before my big reveal, that I, like, I thought it was really, I thought I was smart for finding it out. But this big reveal, like, before that happens, we get to Dolores real quick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she starts to have these little flashback memories of like the slaughtered city like of all right. the people falling and gunshots and people dying and that's a and, big know, moment huge that's foreshadowing moment for huge foreshadowing we're talking last excuse me last episode of season one foreshadowing yeah. <laughs> like yeah so not to give anything away but that was something that's really really important when you first see that that her mm-hmm. starting to have that memory a little yeah. bit so now we get into this now we're getting to the part where i thought was really really cool mm-hmm. so william starts walking through the little like almost like an airport terminal and like he gets on to this little thing and then she's like there's just one more thing pick a hat like like you know he's in a room of hats and it's really cool because he looks around there's black hats and there's white hats and if you guys didn't pay attention in episode one this guy was explaining to his friend what he did with his parents he's like oh the first time i came here i was with my parents went full white hat we were fishing, like, you know, enjoying the scenery, like, having a good old time. Meaning White Hat is, is signify, signifies a good guy, like a hero, like a nice person. And then he's like, well, then the second time I went I went complete Black Hat and I was just pure evil. <laughs> Meaning, like, Black Hat's, like, the bad guy, like, mm-hmm. doing the, the, like, the bad shit. I'm the so, bad right, guy. The full, yeah, the full, yeah. full Billy Eilish, right? So he ends up taking a White Hat. Which is super ironic for what he really becomes later on. I remember so, what my boy always tries to tell him. You really wanted to be the hero. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I, so keep in mind, guys, William chose a white hat. And then when you find out William later on, it's super ironic. Because there's that quote I told you about last night where it says, you know, you either die the hero or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. The Dark Knight. That was a Dark Knight. <laughs> yeah. That was a Dark Knight. And tell you what, man, that came that Hardy came Dent. that came full <laughs> yeah. circle, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, not to not to give anything away, but let's let's get through that. I know we took a lot on that first two scenes, but yeah. let's, so let's start knocking through there. Man. Nard meets with uh, Elsie though in regards to Abernathy, just for like a, a quick kind of moment here. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was like, "I think something's fucked up with his cognition," is what she was saying, and. And, and Bernard is asking her, well, do you know where it's originating? And she keeps telling him, I think it's something more serious than that versus just some bug in the system, right? And uh, Elsie says, let me at least pull the host that contract, that contact with him, uh, like Dolores. And then she says, what for? And she says, because this is not a dissonant episode. 
whatever Abernathy had, it could be contagious. Uh, and then he kind of so gave her like a weird look, and then she's yeah. like, so to speak. But, you know, he, he's like, he tells her Dolores has been examined and cleared. Right. Exactly. Which, why is that important? He's been having these secret meetings with Dolores, and he doesn't want anything that he's been said to be given up. I think mm-hmm. that's exactly why he didn't want her to meet with Dolores, is because yeah. he's been having those secret sessions, you know, kind of off record. Mm-hmm. Um, so... I, I think that's exactly why he wouldn't Move allow in the, the well I don't think they're having shoot. that kind of I don't know why they're doing that. Oh, I hate that so much <laughs> oh yeah, yeah you like it don't you you like couldn't, it I couldn't hate it more I think Josh truly likes it he I just did. always wants to act like he I, doesn't yeah. I, I truly <laughs> yeah. want to bury my head in sand when the time you start like when I hear your fingers snap I'm like where's, where's the gun give, give, I'll, I'll be a hose give it to me bang I but, thought you were going to choose the yeah. white hat dude give me, give me the black hat to get away from that I'll tell you what yeah, but man. um no so you know he's trying to save himself in a way like you know the more people that examine and tinker around with Dolores the better chance he has of his like conversations being revealed and like her you know kind of giving him up not necessarily her fault but like if she's told to go into analysis and like memory bank and all this the stuff he's been doing could be could give him up so mm-hmm. um you know and this is a quote that I not a quote but like this is a statement that I I really wrote down because this is what I started to understand from Westworld at this point in time. Westworld was designed to introduce people to who they truly are. Right. So that's exactly what this entire world is. Is it's, a, it's almost like a journey of self-discovery in a way. A very expensive journey, $40,000 a day. <laughs> $40,000 a day. <laughs> but it's, a, it's supposed to be an introspective journey of self-discovery. And so I, I wrote that down in there. But uh, Want to talk about the man in black and the Lauren situation, or what do you want? What do you want yeah. to get into? Um, well, for just a uh, just a second, remember you do have that kind of moment where Maeve interacts with Dolores for just a second, and she sees her outside. And one thing Maeve says, it really shows oh. kind of her pompousness. And she just goes, <clears throat> "Hmm, uh, you can stand somewhere else. I don't want anyone thinking you're a representative of the goods inside." <laughs> and it just goes to show she's kind of she's kind of that bad bitch, honestly. Yeah, the thing is, like, I didn't know how to take that. I didn't know how to take that as if she was basically insulting Dolores or giving Dolores a compliment, saying like, "Hey, we don't want people to be expecting you when they come in here because like we're not that goody goody girl." And, uh, you know, I don't know. It could have been either way. I thought it was like, so, "Get the fuck out yeah, of here." See, but the thing is, like, she <laughs> seemed so wholesome and pure, and, and and like keep in mind, every time Teddy caught her eye through the window, he. He was in the saloon where Maeve and Clementine were, so they could see him looking at Dolores longingly, mm-hmm. and they wanted someone good, like, and they, they wanted Teddy to kind of like indulge in them, and he never would because his eyes were on Dolores. So I think it was more like complimenting Dolores, saying, "Hey, you know, make, get it somewhere else, because I don't want people to come in here expecting to get you, and they get one of our dirty asses." That's yeah. what I really thought it was, but I could be wrong. Exactly. But it's funny how we both watch the same thing and get two completely different, like, yeah. out, like you know, thoughts on it. Um, and. One kind of foreshadowing moment, not that important, but Logan and William are on the train and they're kind of taking drinks, just observing, you know, the environment of Westworld here. And Logan says, I know you think you have a handle of what this is going to be. Guns, tits and all that. Mindless shit that I used to. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And he says this, he says, you have no idea. This place seduces everybody eventually. By the end, you're going to be begging me to stay because this place is your answer to that question you've been asking yourself what question who you really are and i can't fucking wait to meet that guy bottoms up cowboy yeah. and think of the foreshadowing bottoms there, up, bro. bottoms let's go bottoms up pocket full of jeans <laughs> is it pocket full of jeans <laughs> bottoms full up of green 
Oh, wow. Full of I green. think I was the Girl, guy. I know I like the way you shake it in those jeans. Yeah. Mm. See, that's why all the girls looked at me in high school when I was in the middle of the homecoming. I was like, pocket full of jeans. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're like, yeah, so, please. Someone someone hand this guy a black hat, please. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anyways, though. Okay. But that was just my little point on that. Okay. I thought it was a very foreshadowing quote from Logan. Yeah, because, I mean, that kind of leads to the statement that I made that West was designed to introduce people to who they really are. Mm-hmm. I think that's exactly the part that I saw that made me think that and write that down. Yeah. But um, then you have the man in black. You want to take it away from here yeah you know the boy the guy the man in black man that's what's crazy is he seems so confident in control of everything which is really ironic because we know later on what ends you know, mm-hmm. who ends up being so this is you know he's such a formidable guy he he kind of walk he rides up on his horse and where like the sheriff is now back and recommissioned and in the park again mm-hmm. so he's been fixed up they have this guy rounded up with the bag over his head noose around his neck and he, you know, the man in black, like walks up on him, like on that walks up, rides up on his horse, and you know, basically, like tells the sheriff, he's like, I need to have a word with my friend. And the sheriff's like, Well, you can have as many words as you want <laughs> once he's dead. He's like, Ah, it's not gonna work for me. And then the sheriff goes, uh, uh, You know, how about we have the grave digger there dig it a little deeper? And then the man in black says, <laughs> Well, it's gonna be a tight fit for all of you. <laughs> I didn't that write that great. down. That's just off the top of my head. Dude, that was like, dead on. Man. Your <laughs> so, quotes are phenomenal. Dude, it's so funny because like, you know, then the, he got like the sheriff started to lose a little bit of confidence. Like, who the fuck does this guy think he is? He's gonna take on all of us. Then all of a sudden, the shooting starts. When the looting starts, the shooting <laughs> starts. <laughs> That's awful. I do not support that. It did. None of us do. I can't believe <laughs> that that was actually said believe. by someone in power. That's so sad. So anyway, the reason like I, you joke about that is because that's, that's funny. almost what I say. Like in in this situation, in this scenario, yeah, yes. When the loot starts yeah, to shoot, in no start. way do we support that statement or the, the majority of the ideals that are like, held by uh, the person the person in office right now. We'll just say that that's not that's not one of our ideals. We're not saying that as an agreement. We're saying that as like ironically, it's kind of funny <laughs> right now because you know of what because there of is, what Lawrence yeah. was on trial for and how we're in Westworld <laughs> and like that's how you say, settle business. This is there yeah. as, as a shootout, right? Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden, you see like Lawrence like flinching on like the uh, the block there. He doesn't know what's going on, and then he lifts up like the the, um, the bag, and he's face to face with the man in black. So the mm-hmm. man in black just out like killed all these yeah. hosts in like a full like one fell swoop. I see so, a red door, and I want to paint, paint it black. <laughs> oh yeah, dude, that was dude, that was so that part was sick. I wish we would have waited on that until when Hector came back in the, like in yeah. a couple episodes. That was dude. fucking badass. Dude, Hector is a badass. Yeah, honestly, that that is a badass. That song is badass. There, <laughs> I mean, there's no better villain than Ramsey. Yeah, <laughs> but. Well, you if, know, if, if still like, pretty badass Hector's here. like the ideal villain. He's not like weird about it. He's just badass. You yeah, know? he's not he's like creepy. Like, yeah. really, so. Now Logan, man, Logan's a <laughs> slime ball. Logan's a little slime ball. But so the thing is, is that you know he needs Lawrence for a reason. You know he he cut off Kissy's scalp and you know was sent to Lawrence, which is hilarious because him like well to say they were acquainted before. I'll say that, and you know just to not mm-hmm. to give anything away. But then, you know, we have Maeve. She has her first quote-unquote memory. She has that weird little flashback of, you know, that thing happening. And remember, the piano plays by itself again. Mm -hmm. Like, you keep having this repeat thing. And, um, 
Maeve, uh, do you have the quote where she's talking to that guy? Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Um, do you mind if I say about, it? About the, the voices inside her head? Yeah. I think it's that important, but like, go ahead and t- take it's it. It's really away. not. It's just it, it's a repetitive moment that we'll see later. Right. Um, and she says, she's talking to this guy, and she's trying to get him to like go upstairs with her. And she says, you can hear it, can't you? The little voice, that one that's telling you don't, don't stare too long, don't touch, don't do anything you might regret. I used to be the same. Whenever I wanted something, I could hear that voice telling me to stop, to be careful, to leave most of the light unveiled. You know, the only place that the voice left me alone in my dreams, I could be as good or as bad as I felt like being. And if I wanted something, I could just reach out and take it. But then I would wake up and the voice would start all over again, so I ran away. Across the shining sea, when I finally set foot back on solid ground, the first thing I heard was that goddamn voice. Excuse my language, I hate saying that. Do you know what it said? And then she's having these visions of her family getting kidnapped and taken captive at this moment. And um, a a staff member like in the park goes, all right, Maeve, what, what did it say? And Maeve is like naked and being examined Mm -hmm. in this moment. And that's when it kind of leads to our next scene. Which is crazy, because like this next scene again, what I really do and Chase really does is kind of a little bit different. For me, I usually get to the like the factual like parts that are super important to the next thing. Chase kind of gives you a little bit of like the fluff in between. So I'm sure there's a little bit happened between that point and what I'm about to say here. But for what I have to say here and what I Mm -hmm. found very important, this interaction between Maeve and the examiners is that we see that the workers can adjust attributes to the host. Do you know how crazy that is? It's almost like, guys, if you've ever played Madden or NBA 2K, and, you know, like, they have their certain, like, you know, their speed's uh, 91 or whatever it is, and you can adjust it. If you, you know, you go into your own mode and, like, you put someone's speed all the way up to 99, all the way up to this, like, mm-hmm. this is exactly kind of what they can do with the host. They can adjust their attributes, their intelligence level, their whatever they want to do, the aggression whatever they can adjust it and move it up it's on a you know i think i don't know if i have it i know i have it later on when we actually get into it about the 20 point scale but it doesn't come up here but excuse me the fact of the matter is we learn that these hosts can be constantly changed and updated as they go what they're what they have right now is not something they're stuck with you know so let's say their intelligence is as a 14 it doesn't need to stay a 14, and that's just that. That can be fluctuated up and down, and I found that right. very, very interesting. Yeah. Um, the only thing I was going to say about this was just to finish that quote, which, of course, you had that sheriff that was very fucked up. Like, he was like, I would fuck her. Right, right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. You guys like, yeah, yeah. what's wrong with her? I'd fuck her. Yeah. And he was, she wasn't getting any action. Um, <laughs> but the most important thing is, because this is repetitive later on, she finishes her quote, and she says, if said, this is the new world, and in this world, you can be whoever the fuck you want. And it, it kind of goes to show, like, you're debating, like, wow, does she think, like, she can make her own destiny? Like, is she, because she's a host. She's not a person. So, which, that's a very significant distinguish, because you're starting to wonder, like, does she think she can make her own choices? Right. Which is crazy, because then, like, we have kind of find out what this whole thing is this entire time later on. But in that moment, you are starting to get this feeling, like, holy shit. There's a host that's starting to have human cognitive cognitive abilities yeah. mm-hmm. and, and kind of self awareness. Mm-hmm. So yeah, no, I thought that that, that is actually really yeah. is important. But you know, 
now you know what's really kind of cool this is this is that part of the sheriff thing that i was telling you i was going to bring up later on we can tell that william and logan's timeline is different because the hosts are recruiting for the civil war and not for the sheriff trying to catch hector i don't think a lot of people caught that when we when when logan and william get off that train and they bump into that guy and you know william says oh i'm so sorry excuse me and then logan's like ah fuck you grizzly adams like just mm-hmm. trying to be a cool badass and then they're gonna go past it they're they're recruiting for like the civil war like the union versus the confederates and that's not what we've seen the entire time with the, the present day westworld over and over again it's always been the sheriff trying to catch certain bandits so this is the first part if you didn't catch this go back and watch it right. something that i caught that's right this is this is shows you how william and logan's timeline is different yeah. than the present right before that i just want to say something quick about ford and bernard um because they meet for just a quick moment and ford tells him something very I don't even think it was really like foreshadowing it is but it's more fucking creepy of how fucking he really reminded me of like the silence of the lambs like that was, that was, like, his, that was his thing too <laughs> bottle of key and tea <laughs> yeah. i mean that's kind of like, kind of the guy you played here too in a way but like bernard was asking him he said you know you taught me how to make these hosts is what they were talking about and he starts feeling guilty because he, he's like it's hard to turn them off because he's getting emotionally attached to these things and ford like if you get into his head it's it's like almost like weird like it's creepy and sick like he was like you can't play god without being acquainted with the devil and then he he tells him like there's something else bothering bernard and he questions that but then he says the problem bernard is that what you and i do is so complicated we practice witchcraft we speak the right words then we create life itself out of chaos william of Ockham was a 13th century monk he can't help us now bernard we would he would have had us burned at the stake like you're so comfortable with what you're doing and you're okay with it you're just like like that just shows how sick he has to be to continue this maniacal genius plan and what's crazy and this is the first part because i know later on he kind of has a interaction with Teresa. uh i i I know i remember the quote in my head i don't want to get too far ahead Uh, you know i think that might have even been like in the later episodes where he tells her you know i'm not the sentimental type he's like this is my first point of him saying that like he's very very calculative and efficient and to the point he doesn't have any sort of internal feelings mm-hmm. about anything right it's all business 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 yeah. like like you know there's no emotional attachment to anything that ford does yeah except you know later on when he builds a, an a unmonitored host i don't want to get you know, i want to take too much of that but like for the most part you get you get the fact that like Robert Ford's emotionless, and everything he does is just straight, like exactly by the numbers, like binary ones and zeros, baby. Like there's no no <laughs> like, feelings no in this. Fucks. Like yeah, there's no, no feelings. Given, it's just sir. straight, <laughs> yeah, straight business. But yeah, after you, sorry, I just thought that was like it just shows how messed up he is, really. Yeah. Um. So now you know what I have after that guy was telling you about how you can tell the timelines are different between Logan and William. Uh huh. You know. Now I have, yeah, I, I kind of go back to Bernard's next interaction with Dolores. Yeah, real quick, I do want to say this quick thing about Logan. Because remember, William was trying to help that man that was like trying to rope him into this treasure hunt. That he was like, yeah, you know, that. for saving my life, I'll get you a treasure hunt. Right. And Logan's like so fucking real. This is why I love Logan. And maybe I always like wind up 
liking the fucking weird asses like Ramsey and shit. Maybe I'm a little <laughs> fucked up. Who knows? But Logan goes, like, pulls him away. He goes, don't. Holy try to rope you into some bullshit treasure hunt. Foreshadowing. It's all a come on. Him, the girl, which you remember he tapped his hat to Clementine. Right. She was trying to get her to come in. It's all a come on. Him, the girl next door, the town drunk. They all got some big adventure they want to sell on you. They're not going anywhere. First, you're going to buy me a drink, okay? <laughs> and he, like, pulls him away. William starts having some little satisfaction because he saves this guy. And Logan's like, no, no, no. Fuck that. This is all about me at this point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But sure. back to Bernard. Yeah. The next thing, you know, what I thought was important here is Bernard's having his next interaction with Dolores. And we start realizing there's something strange going on between Bernard and Dolores' interactions because he tells her, I find it best that you don't tell people what we talk about. And then, you know, he, she, like, so that means already he doesn't want anyone to know. Why would you not want anyone to know unless there's something fishy going on about right. it? Right. You know, what's he That's trying right. to find? Like, and because he was underneath the deliberation of rolling her back to a previous update or seeing where she mm-hmm. was going to go and, like, you know, keep her on her current loop. Right. And so, you know, I think if it was anybody else other than Bernard, they probably would have rolled her back. Like, not like rolled her back and took her off commission, but like erased her memory and kind of started from scratch, or so to say. Right. But Bernard, what he wanted to do instead was like, no, like, let's just see where this goes. Let's see how adaptable they can become because he has that like that moment where he's like, evolution. It all started with like the mistake. Right. I remember he keeps telling her, like, making sure she has told no one about their conversations right. like he's saying it's weird yeah like imagine like going behind your boss and everyone that you work with and trying to do some like secret shit like that yeah over and over and over and, and it's almost at this point here this is one of the biggest quotes i have is you know he asks she asks him dolores asks bernard like have i done something wrong and then he kind of gives like a like a brush off answer and then she looks at him and says have you done something wrong mm-hmm have you done something wrong, Bernard? <laughs> yeah. So then uh, he he asked for analysis, but what prompted that response? And she comes yeah. on through something about you know asking personal questions. It helps like, develop bond or whatever. But anyways, he makes her erase that interaction. He so he said mm-hmm. you know, erase this interaction. Exactly. Yeah. So it's just crazy, man. So like, what's going on with Bernard and Dol- Dolores? You're like, what's what's this big secret? Mm-hmm. And you know what? As of season one, we still don't really find out. it's really crazy really don't um yeah yeah and uh then you kind of go back to Maeve at this moment um just for like a moment Maeve is back in the brothel and um you know she says and when I cat back on solid ground first thing I heard was that goddamn voice because when she's trying to seduce the woman again yeah it's like that repeat moment yeah I don't even think that was a repeat moment it was more of showing that like because remember they bumped her aggression up. Right. Exactly. They doubled her aggression. Mm-hmm. She threw the girl against the like the the wall and then like even like kind of gave her like a little tug up in mm-hmm. her pants or whatever. And then girl's like, well, maybe another time. Another time. So yeah. like she's been getting rejected over and over again. So like, well, the guys have gotten bored from her. The board, they gotten bored of her, and they want to pull her. Yeah. So that, that's that's the thing. Is like Ashley Stubbs. He gives the order to recall and decommission Maeve. Mm-hmm. That's right. Which is crazy because Maeve actually becomes a really big. Uh, character big moving role. forward. Yeah, big so role. keep in mind, like, bro, if they had stuck in decommission Maeve, what this what this series could have been without her, it wouldn't be the like, same. It wouldn't be the same at all. And it's funny because, like, it, if you don't really pay attention, you don't understand 
who puts her back online or why it's even important. You just you don't understand it until, like I said, you should go back and watch it twice because it's, yeah. it's kind of messed up. Then you haven't been paying attention. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but so. she does say that into that quote, though, where she says, and in this world, you can be whoever the fuck you want. Right. And, like, why would you say that to someone you're coming on to on top of that? Like, that's just out of left field, I would say. And then she approaches Clementine, and she was telling her, like, how she's been having those nightmares again. And said, I've told you, never open your mouth that wide unless someone is paying you for it. And that's when she was, like, so tired. Um, so I thought it was a funny and scene. That's, but, yeah, then that's when they yeah. broke, they busted in. They took her out of there, like, or whatever. Um, but, yeah, they, they gave the order to decommission Maeve. Mm-hmm. That's a big moment because of how important she becomes later on. One thing that is really important, though, before we go on real quick, she just tells Clementine, she says, you know, because Clementine was saying, you know, sometimes her nightmares are really bad and she says do what i do if you find yourself in a bad dream close your eyes and count backwards from three at one two three you'll find yourself in a nice warm nice warm safe place in your bed where you can get fucked right back to sleep (laughs) by one of those assholes with mature miniature peckers um and but that's a big moment because you know counting backwards we're going to start to see some of that later on yeah, the next thing that I've got that I thought was super important to the to, to the storyline here is with uh, Lee Sizemore again. Uh, he's kind of talking with Teresa about his new narrative that he's going to put together to kind of mm-hmm. like hold them over, like like to give the board something that the board's wanted. And so, what I thought was really important here, and it, it's crazy because this is going to come up in not too long. You know, because basically Teresa's concerned about Ford. He's, she's like, well, you know, what what, what about Ford and and Sizemore says, Ford hasn't weighed in on the storyline in years. So remember when I said that earlier, why is that important? Well, it's going to become important when Sizemore gives his presentation for his new narrative. Mm-hmm. And then we figure out, you know, what Ford thought of it. But, uh, yeah. you know, so I just thought it was really, really important here that I had that quote that he even says. So what has Ford been doing all these years if he's not been weighing in on the storylines? What has he been doing? And we understand and realize later on he's making his own. So yeah. I just thought that was really big in the fact that this is the one time he weighs in, you know, he's going to weigh in on it here because he's been doing his own thing in the dark and in the shadows for mm-hmm. these years on end. Um, then I, you know, not, not that this is a quote, but this is something I started to understand is that Sizemore, Teresa, and the shareholders are trying to push Ford out. It's almost like the Steve Jobs type of deal where. They want to push the creator out of his own company. Like, th- like this isn't a quote. So if you're looking for the quote for this, it's uh, not no, there. This is yeah. just what I came to realize during this point in time is that they are trying to force him out. And it's sad because you think about it. When you think about Apple, you think about Steve Jobs and how he built that company. So he built this company from the ground up and his own board voted him out. Mm-hmm. is what happened to Steve Jobs. We're kind of getting that sort of same situation happening here in Westworld, where Ford has kind of built this entire thing from the ground up, and they want to force and push Ford out. Yeah. So Right before that, you kind of have the scene. It's not too important, but it, I, it was one of my favorite scenes, so I do want to say it. William and Logan are at this dinner table, and you have the treasure hunt guy that approaches, and it's like, you saved my life. I want to give you this treasure hunt. And, uh, of course, you know, Logan the entire time has been like, leave us the fuck alone. 
So he goes, leave us the fuck alone. And the old man says, as a sign of my humble appreciation, I'd like to offer you an opportunity of a lifetime. Not interested, old man. Across the river and beyond the savage lands, there is a treasure. I have in my possession a map. Logan stabs the man's hand into the table and he's like screaming and bleeding out on this table while all the other hosts are just staring at Logan like this guy is fucked up. And Logan goes, I said, not interested. You know what I've worked up a new appetite anyways. I've worked up a new appetite. Let's go. Logan like grabs William and then uh, has two women that are like in in this whorehouse goes into this whorehouse and has William wait outside the door while all these like whore robots fuck him <laughs> and like he's well, slapping their ass. Not really wait outside the door. He was in his own room with Clementine, and then you know he like she's like you know your friend seems to be having fun, and he says, "Well, that's not the term I'd use." And she's like, "What fun?" She's like, "No." He's like, "No friend." So he wasn't outside the door. He was in the room, and then he was turning Clementine down the whole time. But all you hear uh, though is with with Logan in there getting ridden. He's like. <laughs> He's getting this pounding on. That's the resort to, <laughs> to the fake stuff. It's like a blow up doll in a way. Like yeah, it's kind of gross. It was messed up. But yeah, I didn't. I don't know. That, I didn't think that was super important. I didn't draw anything of that interaction. There was down. nothing like, really important but, about it. It was just one of my favorite scenes because it shows how fucked up he is. <laughs> so the next thing I have is we go back to Lawrence and the Man in Black, and what's really cool here is you hear the Man in Black tell Lawrence, "We're friends, Lawrence." So why is that important? Well, if you haven't figured it out by now, like there's different timelines where they've met before. So I'm not going to give away yet, but just keep that in mind, guys, that Lawrence and the Men in Black have met before. Mm-hmm. Um, now, this is crazy because he's at this, he took Lawrence back to his like hometown type deal with his mm-hmm. wife and his kid and like, the Daughter. guy, yeah, like the the bar, yeah, right. They, this, the bartender comes out, pours drinks for them, and he's like, you know, why did it take you so long? You calling, you know, back up for a bunch of other men that you're gonna need. And anyways, like it's like he knew what was gonna happen. And so the be- cousins come out, and he's like, normally they're a little bit more hospitable. hospitable yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. But the crazy part is here is that that we go back to the research lab, and the person's like, hey, this this guest has already took out an entire posse. Should we slow him down? And what did Stubbs say? He looks at who it is and he says, this guest, no, this gentleman gets whatever he wants. Why is that important? Because of who he is. Mm -hmm. He looked at who it was and he says, this gentleman gets whatever he wants. He's not a normal guest if you guys haven't got it by now. Yeah. So. Um, One thing that was cool was when they all like surround him. So I counted. He killed 12 men. (laughs) The men in black did. And he looks at Lawrence after he makes that quote. It's crazy because, like, you know, it's not that impressive seeing how they can't kill him. Because they can't kill him. Yeah. But imagine if you were Lawrence. You'd be like, this fucker's invincible. I can't fucking die. And he said, this is exactly why I came here, Lawrence. (laughs) (laughs) He gives, like, the two bullets to the daughter and he's like, you decide what happens with these. Yeah. It was just like, which imagine how creepy that is. Yeah. And you'll be in a kid or whatever um, but yeah so but the biggest thing here is you know he's asking lawrence about the maze right which is huge because in his mind there's this deeper level to this game the maze and they're mm-hmm. pretending they don't know about it and so then this whole entire thing happens where he has this conflict he kills all these people and like even ends up killing the wife like pulls her in shoots her in the head and it was like, really creepy he like spins her right. around and is dancing with her yep 
and then like puts time for a spin, darling. <laughs> That's what he's time saying. for a spin, darling. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. He shoots me because then he says that quote. He's like, you know, when you're suffering, you're the most real, which is crazy yeah. because then he kind of opens up and talks about the maze a little bit. Like, well, the daughter even tells him where to find. You know, like you follow the blood of Roy. I didn't even write that quote down, but. Um, he says, it means when you're suffering, that's when you're most real. And Lawrence is crying and he's saying, please, because he just killed his wife. And then, you know, the daughter is there. And keep in mind, Lawrence, according <laughs> to this world, is one of the most, like, heinous villains and is wanted in multiple territories. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, so, you know. This what I thought was important too is because this is one thing he says even before that is he goes in a sense I was born here meaning he found himself so this is like if you haven't figured out who the man in black is by now you weren't really paying attention this is when I figured out who he was is when he says in a sense I was born here um, and had a, yeah so I just thought that was pretty important and Lawrence's daughter though uh, does look at him when you know he's asking her about the maze and she says follow the blood arroyo to the place where the snake lays its eggs that's the quote that i didn't write down but yeah gotcha yeah mm -hmm. but then the girl tells him the maze isn't meant for you yeah that's important because that quote comes back around 30 years prior <laughs> like you know like like i'm not gonna give too much away but the girl tells him the maze isn't meant for you mm -hmm. right now we get back to bernard and Teresa, and they're they're getting their little happy on and the in the bed they're hooking up um which is really interesting because they're kind of talking about work in the middle of their sexual interaction and it's not that i thought the sexual interaction itself was important it's what they said during it and how it really dropped a big easter egg for us if you weren't paying attention guys she talks about is that what you're doing now practicing because he was talking about how like the the host never shut up and it's because the more they talk and the more they have dialogue with humans like the more error correcting they can do and the more improv they can get and so like you know that's why they're, con they're constantly talking it's because they're practicing and Teresa asked Bernard is that what you're doing now practicing she said it as a joke like lo and behold <laughs> later on yeah it was what he was doing <laughs> and so I thought that was pretty fucking important there was an important moment right before then though Ford is walking to the top of this mountain with this little boy and what's going on is this boy is telling him this is nowhere land like we're not allowed to go here um, he says I wanted to climb to the top of the mountain and daddy said we weren't allowed and then Tommy dared me and then Ford said now we are and then he Ford says that seems hardly fitting now a place so full can't you see it perhaps you're not looking hard enough and in the town you see this white church and he tells the boy can you hear it can you hear the bells the bells <laughs> game of thrones <laughs> the bells of siege <laughs> but anyways the boy like there's nothing at first it's silent and then this boy goes yes yes i hear it now and ford goes i thought you might you see what a bored mind can conjure and it goes to show you're in ford's narrative yeah basically. at this very moment because that was when he had like the moment of the snake too like basically ford was in control like he even showed it because I like, remember he had like the, the hand motions with the snake and made the snake move away. Like how did you mm -hmm. do that? Like well, magicians like you know magic is, is yeah every, only yeah. except to the magician, right? That's right. So mm -hmm. like it, all, that big moment there, what it basically showed is, is Ford has been in control this entire time, and it is important for when it comes up later around. But just to kind of finish this up on on episode two, so we can get into episode three. There's 
let's see, one, two, three, four, five. There's six bigger, big bullet points that I have left that I think are super, super important. Um, you know, this I, what I have got next after that whole moment with Bernard and and Teresa and her, like you know, kind of almost predicting exactly what was happening in that moment, is back to Elsie, right? Mm-hmm. This is why I think it's really important, is because. One of her assistants asks her about like you know them remembering like the hosts remembering like why we why would we why the fuck would we had memories? This is exactly what her quote was. She says, "Can you imagine how fucked we'd be if these poor assholes ever remembered what these guests do to them?" Exactly. Mm-hmm. Big moment. That's a huge quote. That's going to come around later because we're starting to already see Dolores is having flashbacks of things that have happened in her past. Maeve is starting to have mm-hmm. flashbacks of things that have happened in her past. So, like, we're starting to see what these fucking guests have done to them. And that's going to breed contempt and hatred and whatever. But, like, the, the, the question is, is it because they're starting to feel it themselves or is it because they're being told to feel it? So, right. I yeah. get, you know. Mind fuck. Um, so then, you know, Elsie puts Maeve back in after QA had given the order for Maeve to be decommissioned. This is the part I was telling you guys is super important. Remember, Stubbs gave the mm-hmm. order. Right. You know, hey, you know, she's going to be decommissioned. Like, if anyone wants one last turn, great, but she's getting taken out. Right. Elsie put Maeve back in. Why? I don't know. I don't have the answer on why Elsie found it super important to have Maeve put back in. Was it just a fuck you to QA? Because, like, they always had that weird, like, you know, if you've ever been in, in any sort of office corporate type situations, let's say, like, you know, the marketing team has, like, a weird, like, rivalry with the sales team. Or football has a big rivalry with soccer because they both are fall sports. Is it just, like, a fuck you to the QA team of just kind of going behind their backs and putting Maeve back in? Or was there a reason why Elsie chose to put Maeve back in specifically? Was it because it was Maeve herself? These are questions I didn't have the answer to, so I'm, I'm really wondering why Elsie decided that she wanted to put Maeve back in uh, specifically. Mike. See, my conclusion was it was just one of the... She just assumed it was a mistake in the code because she does say um, to this point... So, of course, you know, Maeve was talking about her dreams, right? And she says, can you imagine how fucked we'd be those poor assholes, like you were saying, remembered them. And then um, to give them concepts of dreams, specifically nightmares, and the staff says, why? She says, just in case somebody forgets to wipe them out. And in the maintenance scenario, if she gets any dreams, it's just because of those sloppy fucks. So my conclusion to that would be she just assumed that it was just someone putting in bad code. But the thing is, is like there is an order given specifically from the QA department to decommissioner. It wasn't like, hey, we're going to try to fix this. If you can fix it, she's good to go. But he said, nah, we're shutting this shit down. She's done. Like, yeah. they pulled her. Yeah. So, like, like she made an, almost an executive decision above her own pay grade to be like, nah, fuck that. Put her back yeah. in. Yeah. So, that's like, it's like, to me, it's like, why? That's because, what I want to know. Yeah, she wouldn't care about budgeting or anything. Right, exactly. <laughs> so, right. yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying. Point. Is it just a fuck you to QA? Like, is it just, is it because, like, she likes the whore characters because she kissed the other whore before you know like <laughs> what is it like i don't know like I don't, I don't understand so probably a fuck you to qa because she's analysis right exactly so. and, and remember they had that big rivalry like you know what ends up happening is they take over a certain aspect of it and she even kind of like this person couldn't decode a blah 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 like later yeah, on like, we'll exactly, get that to right. that in a second yeah. but like so there's obviously a rivalry between the two departments it's just like 
I, I found it interesting, and I don't think anyone really really picked up on the fact that she basically overrode their decision. And she's nobody. Keep in mind, like she's not anyone of any sort of like status in this company. She's not the board director. She's not the head of her department. She's not the manager. She's Bernard's like right. like like assistant. Like so, the fact that she overrode like you know the head of like security and the head of QA and said, "Nah, yeah. put her back in." That's a big moment, dude. Yeah, that's a big moment. So, anyways, Maeve wakes up in the real world, and. You know, the first explanation was they forgot to put her in sleep mode. Fucking Felix. Right. So Felix <laughs> forgot to put her in sleep. Like that was the thing. But here's here's the point. Because she did that weird like you know three, two, and then One. does that weird mm-hmm. wake up thing. So it's like she almost knows that she can do that by by her little wake up. So the explanation that she wasn't in sleep mode doesn't really hold up. And anyways, I, mean, I don't think anyone really was going to buy that as it was. Basically, she but. can control herself waking in and out of this world. In a way, because she does have to be killed because we had that one weird moment that I was telling you about earlier yeah. where she mm-hmm. has to have that guy kill her to be brought back and yeah, all that right. stuff. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's not... A, it, she seems to be resistant to this sleep mode type deal, but is it because she's starting to gain excuse me, consciousness or is it because somebody else is in there doing stuff right exactly mm-hmm. and then a couple more parts of just to, to close out season two here episode two of season one here dolores hears a voice inside her head yeah which is crazy because if you're if you're a person you hear a voice inside your head that's almost like you're conscious and now keep in mind these hosts aren't conscious but you know the voice that you hear is a man's voice so it's not her own voice but like it starts to kind of build that that momentum to what it's going to be later on but she finds the buried gun right mm-hmm. so i know you probably want to give the scene you want to set the scene for it if you want to but i just thought that was important is that she finds the gun no that that's basically what i had my um big scene that i love is the one with lee and ford oh this next one here <laughs> dude take it because I, I have that down here that's the second to last thing that i have so so my boy lee over here is like giving this big presentation in front of all these board members and imagine like you've worked your ass mm-hmm. off on this narrative so right? proud of it like, like you're so just so proud. confident like yeah look at me and like in ford's there and he's like the he's like the godfather of this shit he's a guy he like he's built it from the get ground up like imagine like giving your this is like giving your honcho to like the president of your company. Like this is your moment. And he presents this narrative and he calls it the Odyssey on Red River. And he is so proud of it. And Ford just goes, No. He's like, What? <laughs> yeah. Like what is keep in mind, he's never waited on storyline in years. Yeah. He's never waited on it, so he just thought it was like fucking like a like, sure this thing. Is a go. It's this a sure is a thing. Fuck yeah. Yeah. And um Ford goes, No. I don't think so. What is the point of it? You get a couple cheap thrills, some surprises. It's not enough. It's not about giving the guests what you think they want. No, that's simple. The titillation, horror, elation, they're parlor tricks. The guests don't return for obvious things. We do. The garish things, they come back because of the Sedulities, the details, they come back because they discover something imagined no one had ever noticed before. Something they fall in love with. They're not looking for a story that tells them who they are. They already know who they are. William picks up... um, So then you have that moment with William and Dolores. But the whole point is, Lee at this moment is just like, what the fuck, dude? Shut the fuck down. Yeah, like, shut the fuck down. one of the parts in that moment is important. He's like, 
they come back for something they think they've found that no one else has found, which is crazy because of Williams. Like, right. Well, then what comes up later on. Exactly. Yeah. Like you think you know, like that you think you know this place, man. Oh, I this is you know, so man. good. Yeah. Uh, I'll let you take it from here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I didn't really have anything important with William like from here on out until the end of the episode because I didn't think it was important to the storyline. But what I did have written down is Lee Sizemore presents a storyline. Ford shuts him down. Mm-hmm. Now, but that did have us closed out with is Ford telling Bernard he's been working on a new storyline of his own. There you go. So that's important. That's mm-hmm. huge because, guys, keep in mind this: if this, you're Robert Ford, you haven't been involved in the storyline for years, and all of a sudden, like you're cooking up one like this whole entire time. Like everyone thought, like you were kind of just in the background overseeing things, like doing your own little like side things, making sure people are doing their right. But no, he's been secretly putting stuff together this entire time he's building a storyline of his own and he's the one that originated and made this world so you know it's going to be big and so i thought that was super super important that we get the realization that this next thing he's doing like however big you thought lee's shit was going to be this is going to be way bigger way bigger it's almost like as if stanley when he was alive remember he was doing those little scenes it'd be as if he went to kevin feige and was like no yeah when they went yeah. made Endgame, he yes. was like, we're going to do this my way. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But that closes out episode two. Now let's get into season one, episode three, and let's fly through a couple big points here, man. Let's do it. Good stuff. You know, the first thing I, I have here, which is interesting, is that Bernard gifts Dolores with the book of Alice in Wonderland. Mm-hmm. And it's, in, it's crazy because of what ends up happening here and what you find out later on about Bernard. But, like... That's such a human thing to do, and the fact is, he lost his son. That's his. That's his big tragedy. His, you know, core being of who he is is that, you know, he lost his son to an illness, and he's never been the same since. And so now we're starting to see what his fascination with Dolores is, is because Dolores is almost real to him in a way. And so he starts talking to her in ways that like make you think, makes him think that she is. A little bit more than just a host, mm-hmm. which you know we find right. out that's not really the case, right? Well, as of now, but we don't know. So, anyways, the next thing I have got going on here, and, and remember I told you before, Dolores finds the buried gun in the ground from episode two. Dolores finds the gun in her dresser drawer. This gun keeps making its way back to Dolores. Mm-hmm. She's starting to find it, which is crazy because in a little bit we're gonna figure out, you know, her situation with guns right at her character and what she's able to do and what she's unable to do as she was programmed right so from there the next big thing that i found that was super super important is they have that weird moment where the guy kind of looks like jamie lannister a little bit like that bandit we're back in the west world that yeah, bandit. Did, like the, yeah. Like the, yeah i'm talking about season right. one yeah. jamie lannister right yeah season like one. they they kind of have him like all chained up and they think they got him they're talking big shit and you know they end up putting him inside and the guy like ends up throwing the guy through the window and he ends up you know having to get a gun in his hand shooting and killing people and he starts dragging clementine like yeah you know? that's right and then and then what's really cool here is that william was trying to stop it didn't really have the balls to do it he got shot william got shot and then as like the guy turns his back and starts making his way off with the Clementine, William shoots and kills him, which is crazy because this is the first time William ever shoots and kills his first host. 
where when you find out who William truly is, it's like that's all he ever really does. Is do yeah, that. so they exactly, find it very, yeah. the first time he draws blood for <clears throat> that's that's a really important moment because yeah. we're we're three episodes in and he's never harmed anything yet, and this is his first time, and he did it to be that white hat hero guy to save the damsel in distress yeah i remember like clementine like kisses him and wants to try yeah. to like make it oh, up to him let me make it up to you moving in the club <laughs> yeah. give it a derrick henry stiff arm oh yeah fair <laughs> <enough>. um but <laughs> <laughs> fucking shit Mel said guys, guys if you didn't if Mel's you guys were watching on youtube i literally just stiff arm jace's face mm. <laughs> Big dirty, yeah. Stiffy to the face. That's real fucking Yo, that nice. That was awesome. Stiffy to the face. Fuck yeah. But, but my uh, yeah. fucking boy Logan, dude. Fucking love this guy. Walks out as like he has this like, you know, Williams having this intimate moment with Clementine. Yeah. He just goes, "Holy, Holy shit! shit. <laughs> Holy shit! <laughs> you popped your cherry." Yeah. And <laughs> what I thought was important here, he pulled his shirt to the side and he revealed like a bruise almost yeah. like a paintball bruise so like you can get hurt there you can't that, and that's when they said just the right amount oh yeah remember no, that, that's that full circle moment mm-hmm. right there is uh, and just the right amount of hurt even said I thought you said we couldn't get get shot and he said well couldn't get, get killed, killed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. wouldn't be much of a game if they couldn't shoot back how do you feel alive tighten the pants yeah. <laughs> and Williams Weirdo. like she was terrified that's why they exist is she, is uh, do you, so you get a feeling like this? Come on, let's go put some memories on that spank bank. bank. <laughs> Trust me, you'll thank me after you've been married to my sister for a year. <laughs> Dude, he wants that? her to cheat on his sister. It's the weirdest <laughs> thing. It's the weirdest thing. Logan is a little bit of a scumbag, man. Like I don't like him <laughs> at all. But the next thing I've got that's super important is that we start looking at that weird footage review of mm-hmm. Walter, and that's the part I bring up about Elsie telling him she kills a six host, yeah. but. But the really important part is that he hears a voice inside his head, and he shouts out for Arnold. This is the first time you hear about Arnold, and Arnold's really, really important, and I'm not going to tell you why yet. But the fact that Walter's hearing Arnold's voice inside his head is Mm -hmm. a huge, huge, like, moment for what this show is going to get into later on. Mm -hmm. So Elsie, excuse me, discovers Walter killed six hosts, and all those six hosts had all killed Walter and passed like like timelines and loops like that that's crazy it's like he was holding a grudge but then again guys keep in mind this is the same thing like were the other two people in their hosts or were they guests because she even says she he leaves the other three hosts alone now keep in mind in the show like in the previous episodes where they kind of show that happen like in real time there he stub says there's two guests inside we'll go talk to him you clean this up so two now we see it on the camera. There's three people in there. There's a guy at the piano, and there's two people by the door. And she's like, you, he, he leaves these three alone. Meaning, like, were they hosts or were they the guests? I don't know. I'll leave it alone for now. But, guys, someone give me the answer. <laughs> but, anyways, uh, now I go back to Dolores and, and Teddy. They're having mm-hmm. a really cool interaction on this little mountain, right? They, they start well they start riding up and they get yeah, to that little right. mountain top mm-hmm. and the quote is because this is where we kind of you know not to get too far ahead of ourselves when we get to the end of season one you know he tells you know there's a place down south where the mountains meet the sea say the water's so clear it'll wash the past right off you so mm-hmm. where the mountain like a place where the mountains meet the sea 
this is big because it's going to come up in a couple different times later mm-hmm. on during the season. So <clears throat> I thought that was really important time there. Yeah, and um, yeah, that that's going to be a big full circle moment uh, later on. But I mean, you know, of course, Dolores then kisses him and stuff. But then you Ooh. have this. Ooh, yeah, big don't dirty. Do it. Don't yeah, do it. <laughs> don't do it. Don't do it. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, there is a little bit of a quote. It's not important. It just says, "Before I met you, Dolores, I was a different man. I got some reckoning to do before I deserve a woman like you. But I'm close to making things right, and someday soon we will both have the life we were both dreaming of." And then, uh, of course, Teddy and Dolores go back to the home where it's like a repeat scene, yeah. where like her father is killed. And then you have Ford that meets with Teddy. Yeah. Honestly, there is one little tiny piece. And now this, this I promise, like, like I'll, be, I'll be the first one to admit when I write things down that aren't important to the storyline. This is one that's not important to the storyline even for me. I just thought it was very, very cool because before we get to that scene, you get to see how they make the eyes mm-hmm. of these That of these was really cool. With mm-hmm. the thread coming up in the green and, like, like picking tiny through. And it's, like, little... Um, lines, but they're going in a way that makes it look like a, a perfect iris. Like yeah, it was, it was super, wild. super interesting. It was really cool. So that's something I picked up on. I wrote that down immediately because I thought yeah, that was beautiful. That was really cool. But mm-hmm. but yeah, yeah, exactly. You said Ford tells uh, you know Teddy that he will never be with Dolores, and his job is to just keep her there. Like he's yeah. he's basically like you know you have this formless guilt that you will never atone for. Mm-hmm. So all this thing, like all this reckoning, like that was he would just say, like, I've got some reckoning to do, but I'm close. Like, that's just part of your storyline. That's actually not true at all. Like, you don't have a backstory because we never gave you one. Mm-hmm. We didn't bother to give you one. Like, yeah. you just have this weird, formless guilt because, like, you, you just, no one ever decided to tell you where you came from. Right. So you just have this weird feeling inside you that doesn't really mean anything. So imagine, like, being that person. I know that he's a host, but, like, imagine being like, yeah, dude, like, you just weren't important enough to, like, mm-hmm. for us to really give right. a shit about. Yeah. No. Like, that's crazy. You know, especially it seems how Teddy seemed to be like a main character. He's he's appeared in every single episode so far. Yeah, and you're basically saying like, as a host, as far as hosts go, like he don't mean shit. We don't give a fuck about you. Right. Like, oh, well, how would you like to, you know? And then he kind of gets and gives him like a little proposition, even though he's gonna do it anyways. Um, gives him a little bit of a proposition about uh, going forward into being, you know, talking about Wyatt a little bit, right? Yeah, and uh, remember, like. Teddy is defending Dolores from these like harassers and Dolores like grabs a gun out of emotion and she's like trying to shoot the gun at the harassers and it like she can't shoot it like it, it doesn't respond when she tries to shoot the gun at them um, and then Teddy winds up getting word that Wyatt is in the town with approaching riders well actually that's not quite true she the that was she was they weren't surrounded yet this was a, that was a different time okay gotcha so like they were doing target practice at the wooden like okay wooden gotcha thing, and that's yeah. when she mm-hmm. couldn't pull a trigger and that's when teddy says some pe- people's fingers weren't meant for the trick gotcha okay so they weren't surrounded yet at that time because that's when she does realize she can use the gun gotcha okay but at just that like point you're work. talking yeah. about she couldn't shoot the gun at the target and, like, yeah it and it wouldn't, wouldn't she, like pull like, they, like no matter yeah, what she did like she's yeah. like trying and it wouldn't pull and then teddy's mm-hmm. like, well some people's hands weren't meant for the trigger gotcha and then that's when the sheriff comes up and he gets wind that Wyatt is is near, like Wyatt's right. close. Okay, yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, I mean, from there, uh, we you know what's really strange about this part? 
the woodcutter is gone. Like, you, yeah, you, you don't think yeah, about it yet. Like, you don't even know what's going to happen here. It's a very interesting part. Like, the group is basically arguing over who's going to cut the wood and start the fire to cook the rabbit on the smoke. <laughs> like, they're a group that has a storyline, but they can't continue it because we find out that only one of the hosts has the programming to use the axe. Mm-hmm. So they're sitting there, and they're basically arguing days on days on end about who's going to start this fire. Like, well, I pitched the tent. Well, I did this. I, you know, I, I see it. So they're all arguing as hosts because none of them can actually pick up the axe to do it themselves, which is crazy that we find out that that's the case. Right. You know, and then we find out, you know, and Elsie and, and Stubbs have this funny little interaction where you know, we have to monitor who gets weapons, and she's like, well, it's funny because you got one. Like, you know, it kind of gives them a little bit <laughs> yeah. of shit for it. Yeah. But uh, I thought it was pretty cool how we, like, they start monitoring people's abilities, like who, of which of the hosts use weapons, because to my understanding... Almost every single one of the hosts has a gun, and they do a shootout battles. Exactly. So, like, what the right. fuck's the big deal about the axe? Yeah. Yeah, no. There's... I don't know. Yeah. I still don't know. But, yeah, they're waiting for dinner because no others are allowed to touch the axe, so they're just stuck in a loop. They're stuck replaying that same day over and over again. They cannot go forward where they're supposed to because the woodcutter went off on his own little uh, his own little tangent. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and then we kind of go back to Teddy and their little group. And but that's right. Yeah, and that that's there. when you find out about um, Wyatt, right? Yeah, yeah, you know, the Teddy's group finds the dead people staked to the trees by mm-hmm. Wyatt and his men. Yeah. Like, and that's when they're kind of ambushed at that time. Yeah, that that's where I was getting mixed up before. Because that's Dolores where he, wasn't like, with him. Yeah, Dolores wasn't with him at that that's time. That's right, yeah. But, was, um... Yeah, it was Teddy, that one girl that we don't ever get an answer of who she is, then it's the sheriff, and then, like, three other guys that are with him, but... Yeah, that's right, Dolores and then, like, um... They, uh, Teddy like holds them off mm-hmm. as like two of them escape. Yeah, right. I'll, I'll, I'll and they get the, back when I get to the, the tree line. You guys make a run for it. That's right. And that's right. when they get back mm-hmm. to the town. Right. Yeah. No, that's right. And they were coming across like those decaying victims, mm-hmm. and they were like their skin was the eaten tree. off. It was disgusting. And one of them was like that. Like I said, the Jamie Lannister bandit. One, that yeah, was that's that guy. right. He was like hanging up there, like like skin of flies yeah. all around it. Like it was fucked like, up. Like almost. If we want to compare it to Game of Thrones, because I just said Jimmy Lannister, like when they went to um, what's it called, Marine, and on the way there they had like the dead yeah. girls like yeah. pointing towards the the way to Marine, like 167 and whatever the thing was. So I just thought that was interesting. That's right. Um, yeah, and like an accomplishment, accomplice of um, Teddy's, like one of part of their band or whatever. Remember the flies are like swarming the yeah. victims. This is disgusting. Yep. And he was like, if ever the devil walked here, and Teddy said, it's he's not a man. He's not, he's the, devil not the devil either. Yeah. Devil uh, can't be killed. There you go. Yeah, the devil can't be killed. That's exactly why. What I intend to do to Wyatt. Yeah, exactly. So it, um, you get kind of this wake up moment like, who the fuck is this Wyatt guy? Which I don't I know. I still don't know. Yeah, That's I wonder so if weird, we're like, like robbed of that. I don't even know, but like, it's, I don't even think they were robbed of it. I think that like there was another line. I don't want to get too into it now because like, that's that, that's a part three of Hopefully, you know, you know yeah. what I mean? So, yeah. But. Um, you know, the next thing I've got, uh, you know, when we kind of go through this strange ideas, like this not old native or new settler, something that's yet to come, it's actually Dolores' foreshadow. Because we talk about Wyatt, and, you know, he starts, to, like, this, like giving the, the quote to the people about, you know, because remember, that's what Ford, like, him and Ford were talking in that lab. Mm-hmm. And That's right. when he downloaded the information about who Wyatt was, and then he's like, 
do you remember who Wyatt is now? And he's like, Hi, you're not liable to forget. And he kind of goes in that thing. He's like, he came back with some strange ideas. He starts telling his group that as well. Right. Which is which is strange because the reason, you know, I don't want to get too far ahead because I know we're going to cover it in probably in part three. Him and Dolores have known each other for a long time too. Right. So exactly. it could be what we, we talked about last night. Yeah. But And I guess like Wyatt, the whole deal sort of is like he like was part of his group in the union in the civil war right was like his narrative yes like they, they were supposed to be buddies they were in the civil war together and and uh you know he went off on a mission and then came back and like was all fucked up yeah had was what's what the storyline you're supposed to believe but anyways um yeah now next thing i've got that's super important is is with uh ford and bernard right yeah yes that's Ar- what I like, like he, ford ends up telling bernard about arnold and shows him a picture right mm-hmm. but this is wild because when we find out about Bernard later on, don't want to be like too far ahead, that the picture that he shows Bernard right now, you only see two people. Yeah. You only that's see right. two mm-hmm. people. So you think the other guy is that's the right. Arnold, right? And then later on, when that picture comes back up and plays an important part later on, there's actually three people in the picture. That's right. So I yeah. just I thought that was super, super important there. I do want to say something yeah. too, which is kind of cool. Uh, it doesn't answer a whole lot, but it is kind of like... Fif- fills in a circle so like you know how the hosts are naked so like remember ford like walks into that guy that's a guy annoyed why he covered him up yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and he was like why is this host covered perhaps you didn't want him to feel cold or ashamed you wanted to cover his modesty was that it it doesn't get cold it doesn't feel ashamed it doesn't feel a solitary thing that we haven't told it to you understand with the damn like scalpel like makes it oh it's fucked up and he like removes the cloth that like it was Covered like covering it, um, and then uh, you know basically it just goes to show like the reason they're always naked in front of them was because they're like not supposed to be like people, even though they're giving this whole idea of if you work there you would be so confused <laughs> because you don't know if they're I mean, like, you know alive. if they're real or not, but like yes, like they look so realistic, like you just feel awkward for them. Yeah, in a way. Exactly. But I think what you just stumbled on there and something I didn't think about that is important. He says that with the words you just said, they don't feel a solitary thing unless we tell them to. Mm-hmm. That's actually something I just thought about there. Like that's yeah, huge. that's really big. But mm-hmm. that's good stuff. Now we kind of talk about the theories that Arnold had, the theory of consciousness. And I drew this little pyramid out that they had on. He had mm-hmm. on the chalkboard about how, like, like Arnold's theory of um, consciousness was like a pyramid. Like the base was memory. The middle was improvisation. The top tier was self-interest, and at the point, it was something that he, excuse me, never found or mm-hmm. hasn't found as of yet. It's called the bicameral mind, right? And so Arnold actually made it so the hosts heard their programming as an inner monologue, with hopes that in time their own voice would take over—a way to bootstrap consciousness, which is exactly what happens later on. I'm not going to tell you with who or when. But the fact is, the bicameral minds theory came to pass, which is huge. I don't even know mm-hmm. if you realize that. Like, yeah. That was that was a big moment. Like that which, whole theory, it became more than the theory at the end of season one. Which the idea of the bicameral minds, just so everyone knows, it's it's this idea that they said you know Arnold had that was thoughts 
to be the voice of the gods. Like, those voices, like, they're hearing. Right, so the, the original bicameral mind theory was that the voice you hear inside your head was a voice of God, mm-hmm. which they debunked as, like, like the theory of why, like, the humans do it. But, like, mm-hmm. then he kind of goes into, like, these aren't humans. Right. You know, they're bots, right? So that's why, you know, those, those pyramid little sections, almost like the food pyramid, what's at the bottom and kind of base goes up, they never found what's quite at the top. You know, which is crazy, but the whole entire idea of them, he have like Arnold's idea of him, like, hey, you're gonna hear your programming in your mind as an inner monologue, is fucking amazing. Yeah. And then hoping that at one point it's their own voice that takes over, and then that's exactly what happens, like mm-hmm. later on. Like that's fucking amazing. Yeah, it's, it's great writing, dude. Fucking like, great amazing. writing. Fucking great. Um, but you know, we actually learned that Arnold died in the park. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't actually get a lot of. Uh, clues at this point in time of how he died they don't say what happened we find out later on what happened but at this point here in episode three we just hear that he died in the park which is supposed to be impossible because these hosts are not are not programmed to be able to kill or harm the guests right so it's like how did he die because even ford said you know they called it an accident but i knew arnold very well and he was very very careful right so exactly what happened (laughs) you know big moment there uh this next part, I'm so fucking confused about this, bro. <laughs> Dude, I don't get it. Because of, you know, when we find out about Bernard later on, this doesn't make any sense to me. Someone please With his who's wife, seen, yes. right? Yeah, it was Someone weird. please who has seen this show, hit your boy up. Because, like, what's up with this communication with his wife? You know, like, who is this person? Like, talking about how they slept together with their kid in the bed and how, like, you know, it was the best, worst sleep he's ever gotten. Like was this other person a fake? You know, I don't want to. I don't want to give anything away right now. But like, who the hell is his wife? Who, like, is there? Is that just an imagined thing that he thought he was doing? I don't get it. And if it's not an imagined thing, who is she? And if she's not a real person, where is she? Because if she's not, if she's not in the fucking research lab, and she's not in the park. Who the fuck is this person? Yeah, I, I thought it was. I, I don't I, get it. The only thing I can come up with is it was supposed to bring back memories of his son, which plays a role so later on. So it's in his own mind. But the thing is, there was other people in that area, too. Really? I don't understand. Yeah. I, that's one thing like I, that really fucked me up, as I don't get the whole reasoning behind this. his wife. Like, All I fuck? wrote like, down was cheating bastard because no, of because Teresa. He was talking about Teresa. <laughs> yeah. The thing was, is, like, is he really, though, because of his truth? I think it was like, like a memory, I, but I think it was... I mean, I think it was like a memory like, you just was added. Was it a memory? Because we're seeing them like almost talk about it in real time because they're talking about their child who had died in the past. Yeah. So like, dude, I don't know, man. This part, I thought it, it was hit, just fluff. Hit your boy up. Like yeah. it's probably the thing is, is like, it, I, not so much that I thought it's important to story. It's like, is this a loophole? Is this something not not a loophole? Like a plot hole? Is this something they didn't fucking cover? Like this is something? Is this something that we stumbled on? Like, hey, like what about this here? Like, does this ever get answered? That's my question. But. What was it? Childish Gambino said, "Holler at your boy like your dad when he's pissed." Oh, <laughs> yeah. Is that is that bonfire? Yeah, uh, ladder bond. Yeah. I can make a. No, no offense, make a. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got you. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, <laughs> anyways, I I don't understand about the whole interaction with him and his wife, but like his fake wife. But anyways, to get back to in the Westworld, the savages they actually they actually ambush and kill the sheriff and pummel Teddy. Like you don't mm-hmm. know what actually ends up ha- happening to Teddy Flood at this point in time. You just see him get kind of like fucking overtaken by a bunch of savages, but you do see the sheriff die again. Mm-hmm. So you know That's right. that means the sheriff's loop replays again 
but we don't get Teddy because of what ends up happening later on of when the Man in Black comes in play, and I'm not going to you know go too far ahead there, but I thought that was pretty important. Yeah, that's good stuff. Um, and then you kind of get the... Um, Dolores and Bernard again? Is that what you get? Or what do you got something else in between? Uh, I was even going to go into, you know, the Orion. The who? Uh, Elise. Oh, Elsie? Yeah, Elsie. Oh, yeah, oh, Orion's Elise. belt? Uh, yeah, Elsie. Would, remember, she discovers the sculpture that was in that tent, yeah. and it's in... She thinks it's an Orion. Right, like, like Orion's belt, like, like a star yeah, constellation. Yeah, a star constellation. Yeah. So that's what I have next for that. Um, which um, Then they find the woodcutter... Yeah, which was under that rock that was like bleeding, and they're gonna go. Her and Ashley Stubbs are gonna try to get that thing out. Is what I had next. Oh, so before even that, I have got a couple things that I thought was pretty important because when Dolores is talking to Bernard, she says these words: "I think when I discover who I am, I'll be free." Mm-hmm. Huge moment like that. That's not foreshadowing on what it is right. Again, for the people in the back. I think when I discover who I am, I'll be free. So, to continue on with Dolores there, she sees the glitch of her dad. Like, remember, because her dad was changed out. It's not the same avatar or same host as it was. They put that Peter Abernathy back in to uh, cold storage. And so, when she looks down, when the the bandits come back to her house and she sees her dead dad, it actually glitches back and she sees her original dad there, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And so then all of a sudden she's got this gun in her hand when Rebus throws her in the haystack. And then she gets that flashback and sees that it's a man in black in her mind. And then she's actually able to, like, she hears a voice in her head and it tells her to pull the trigger. And she actually is able to pull the trigger and kill like the, the host Rebus. So she, she's actually able to pull the trigger here and kill somebody, which is really, really important because remember when she was trying to just play target practice with Teddy, like she couldn't get the trigger to pull. Yeah, And she right. heard the voice in her head and said, kill him. And she yeah. pulled the trigger. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was huge. But yes, to, to kind of close out episode three here, you know, they find the woodcutter mm-hmm. in that little area, Elsie and Ashley Stubbs do. And, you know, even Stubbs says, like, you put it in sleep mode. And she puts him in sleep mode, and he takes that, like, knife and starts, like, sawing off his head. Yeah. And, like, gets, like, a quarter of the way through, and all of a sudden, this woodcutter just wakes up. Like, and then, Mm -hmm. like, knocks him to the side, then starts climbing up, like, the thing. And, like, you think it's going to kill Elsie or get out Elsie. And she's in there tapping her behavior tablet, trying to tell it to turn to sleep mode, sleep mode, That's right, and it won't turn off. It won't do Yeah, it won't turn off. And then he grabs a big boulder over its head. Instead of, like, launching it and killing her, it starts smashing its own head in and yeah. kills itself so and you thought it was gonna kill elsie at first like there was that pause moment where you're like oh shit this thing is yeah, gonna kill exactly. elsie yeah right big time there and this is because keep in mind like this entire time we've known that hosts cannot harm real people exactly and right. so we're thinking like shit like is this a glitch is this something like bad that's gonna mm-hmm. happen to her or is she actually gonna you know we're gonna see a dead real human here yeah and then it ends up smashing its own head in we find out later why it's almost like if you're a spy and you get caught and you get tortured by the enemy, instead of like you know answering the questions, you take the poison and kill yourself. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like exactly the woodcutter did. That's he just right. killed himself. So, yeah. and then episode three closes out with Dolores meeting William. Yeah, which is important right. because mm-hmm. keep in mind William's timeline, as we kind of predicted based on the, what we saw in the past episodes, is not the same as the present timeline. 
But if you didn't know and you just are watching it casually, you might mistake the fact that you think this is the present timeline with William and Dolores. Yeah. And you kind of have that repeat moment, though. I remember, like, um, like does it is it the milk thief thing? This is when, like, it, like, repeats with that whole milk thief guy. Right, and she's able to kill him and shoot, shoot him dead. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But then, like, the trigger actually yeah, pulls Yeah, it pulls because like, she heard the, yeah. the voice in her head. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yep. Um, yeah, it's just... What's that fucker's name? It's weird. Rebus. 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 Yeah. You, you want it, You're a growing boy. Well, that was Walter. The Walter did the growing okay, boy. Okay, gotcha. Thing. Walter was a yeah, growing boy, and, and this guy was the other dude. Gotcha. Sure. Yeah. But uh, so, yeah, full circle moment, kind of. Yeah, because like remember when Reba? Because I remember like the guests were there, and they're like, "You want to turn with her?" And she's she's like, "He's like, nah, she seems kind of crazy." And he's like, "You can have her." And he's like, "Don't mind, don't mind if I do." And then throws her into the barn and into the hay. Then she finds the gun in the hay. Then when Rebus closes the door, she gets that weird image flashback, and she sees the man in black in front of her, even though it's Rebus. And the the uh, voice in her head tells her to pull the trigger and kill him, and that's <laughs> what she does. It's like kill him. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. Boom, and, and she, she shoots him, which is crazy because she was never able to pull a trigger in a gun before. And then now you're starting to see like. She's either She's evolving or something's happening yeah. on the back end of stuff. Didn't she get, like, stabbed or something? Cause she was, like, bleeding from her stomach. She got when shot. She, she got shot. Yeah, she okay, got shot. gotcha. Yeah. yeah, when she mounted mm-hmm. that horse. Okay, cool. But, and then she, like, rode off um, as, like, they were shooting back at her. And then it kind of goes back to Ashley Stubbs for just a minute where you see that. He's cutting the host. He's cutting off exactly. the head. We already yeah. talked about. Yeah, yeah I brought that up. And they said, like, the, to end out like the episode three there. That's when like she rides into the camp and like yeah, you know, mm-hmm. bloody like falls off the horse and like runs into William. William and, that holds her. And, yeah, um, gotcha. And Logan there, but Perfect. that's the thing is that you know that's the timeline's different. Even though you guys might think it's the same present one, it's not. And then that kind of puts us into episode four, which, which is great. Kind of coming in mm-hmm. this time with episode four here. Yeah. Perfect. You know, what I opened up episode four with is Bernard telling Dolores that he can take the pain away, but she declines and says that's all she has left of them, showing depth. Like, talking about, like, her mom, her dad, and, like, you know, on the ranch, and, like, the bandits killing them. And he's like, yeah, I can take that pain away. Because remember, this entire time, Bernard's letting her kind of continue on. Instead of wiping her memory like he's supposed to, Mm -hmm. he's not. That's, I think that might be the thing where she goes, you know, are you doing something wrong? That might be, like, the quote-unquote wrong. He's trying to, to play out her, her storyline as if, like, they never wiped her memory. So she's remembering all these things that happened to her. And I think that's super, super important because she's starting to show a little bit of depth saying, like, well, listen, if you erase, you know, the pain of my dad and my mom dying, that's all I have left of them to remember yeah, me by. Yeah, that's right. So I thought that was pretty important. And remember, this is when Bernard brings up, he says, there's something I would like you to try. It's a game. It's called the maze. And she said, what kind of game is it? And Bernard says, it's a very special kind of game, Dolores. The goal is to see if you can find the center of it. If you can do that, then maybe you can be free. And she says, I think I want to be free. Right. And this is crazy because, like, when when he talks, when he says analysis, what prompted that response? And like, you know, she realizes like they, he she tells him like was that was that scripted? And he goes and she says partially scripted, and she adapted the rest. Mm-hmm. She's starting to show an adaptation right. and like in a way evolution, right? Yeah. So, but yes, and then that the rest of that is exactly how you said. And then what I've got next is Maeve, right? Mm-hmm. She remembers being shot, 
Which and where she got shot? Because remember, like you know, that people came in there and that guy that guess is just shooting everybody in the saloon because he just right. wanted to be a yeah. big guy and feel good about himself. And you know, she ended up remember like she got shot down, or was that the man in black? That sh- man in black, you know, no, it was the man in black who came in and because like she got the place surrounded by the savages, but then like the door opened and it was the man in black and it sh- yeah, he but, shot her. Yeah, but then, yeah. yeah, but she hasn't had the vision of the man in black yet. It was just like remember they were taking hostage like her and her daughter are the visions like she had. Okay. Um, and then right now, because all I have is like she remembers she got shot and where she got shot when she checks there's no wound. So I guess I the biggest thing I have on here is what happens is she's having visions of the surgeons in the room and she goes up to the top of one of the rooms and she opens the drawers and she pulls out the drawings of yeah. the surgeons in the lab yeah, is what she, she draws has. pictures of the strippers. And I even yeah. wrote that like when she draws pictures of the surgeons and they almost look like astronauts in her like, yeah drawings. yeah they kind of look yeah like and remember the there's like a like what you find out a little bit later is like you know that one of those indian things like drops one of those native american savages like the, the savages whatever you call them like they drop, drop the, the dolls the doll. and it yeah. looks like the drawing right um which and then you have elsie after this um wind up meets with bernard and Teresa regarding the voices and qa takes over the bugging mm-hmm. this is That's the part right. i was telling you about yeah. why i think it was just like a fuck you to qa when she put mave back in because like they just like we're gonna they're gonna take over and even like you know is there gonna be a problem bernard and bernard's like hey we've got we've all got on the plate if you want to take mm-hmm. this go ahead and so she kind of gets pissed off and said, this guy couldn't debug a whatever it was. I don't right, know, basically yeah. talking shit. So we start to see like the inner department like rivalries mm-hmm. kind of really come into a head there. And QA, I think that's actually important too, is QA taking over the bugging because of exactly what QA is actually doing in the dark that no one knows about. Yeah, no, that's so true. But, and then uh, we start to see like what Elsie kind of complained to Bernard and like, I thought you hired me because I speak my mind. He said, I do. And then she's like, he basically shuts her down. Like, listen, Orion's belt has three stars, not four. The hosts don't imagine shit. You do. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. he really kind of, but the thing is like, he shuts her down because he doesn't want to deal with it. But in his own mind, his head is reeling because he realizes something's wrong too. Right. So it's not, it's, it's almost like, Hey, like I'm going to handle this on my own, but obviously you're going to keep going until I tell you to shut the fuck up so right now i'm telling you to shut the fuck yeah, up like, like stop yeah exactly like stop you mm-hmm. don't even look anywhere there and then you have my boy logan william and logan <laughs> oh yeah. yeah but basically they find this bounty hunt that william wants to go on and have a sense of adventure here and logan and william are debating whether or not to take dolores that's the only i have is that <laughs> logan, logan <laughs> debate bringing dolores back to sweetwater or taking on uh, the bounty hunt great. that's awesome cheers bro oh uh, cheers malice in the chalice cheers. baby yeah and i love Logan's quote because how fucked up he is. He goes, "Well, if that's the case. Just blow her brains out here. The park will come and get her." Yeah, <laughs> like he doesn't how give a fucked fuck. up is he? Like he doesn't care because like. But the thing is like he's not really that fucked up because he actually gets how the place works. Because he's like real. But he doesn't like, yeah, exactly. He understands exactly. He understands yeah. how the park works. Mm-hmm. And like William is still like this weird guy who doesn't really know a lot about. The- it's like that sheltered boy who wasn't allowed to watch rated R movies. Like yeah, like, that honestly. goes off the deep end in college. So. <laughs> like and never comes back down to earth. We know people like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then you have the man in black that well, comes back around with Lawrence. Even before that, because keep in mind when him and like Logan, I thought this was actually one of the very few important Logan moments, <laughs> is where he tells Logan, uh, he tells William like in our family, everything is business. Yeah. So like that's huge because you have to start to understand because like when we figure out who these people are later on and why they're important and like how big of an investment company they are and like they're talking about purchasing the place and stuff like that. 
that's a huge moment when he said, in our family, everything is business. And remember, William married into that family. Yeah. So. And think about it. Like, Logan is here just for fun. Like, he doesn't give a fuck about this place. Yeah. Like, he's, he's here just for fun. He's like, he's not before, yeah. searching for shit. Like, he's just here because, like, he's rich as fuck. And he wants to enjoy the experience. Remember, when he's getting his fuck on in the brothel. Little, little, little. <laughs> yeah. So like, just insane. To, to the next point that you were talking about, the man in black. Mm-hmm. He finds the quote-unquote snake, which is the armistice with the tattoo. Yeah, that's right. Which is yeah. weird because, like, we've already seen the armistice. They like, just really only be a part of a storyline with Hector and robbing that place where, like, uh, Lee Sizemore gave that amazing, thought he was going to give an amazing speech, and then guy got blown up, right? So he meets, like, the armistice with the tattoo. And she was, like, bathing. Remember, yeah. she was, like, bathing naked in the Dude, thing. And, and, like, uh, he, like, Lawrence was staying. And then the man was like, shame on you, Lawrence. Up until yesterday, you were a married man. <laughs> just, fucking, just fucking with him, man. And Lawrence's like, you think I'm interested in that? Nah, like, dude, she's fucking evil, basically. I forgot the exact words that he used. But he's like, uh-uh, not for me, my man. <laughs> so, but, uh yeah, did you have the whole interaction there between like the the armistice and like the, the her bandits and how he killed the other two? And like, well, it looks like you got room for a couple more there. Or that's a little bit later on, right? I'm sure. Well, I just uh, have where armistice says, "I've come to retrieve something of great value." And the man in black says, "It appears you have a couple of openings on your team." Right, because and he kills two he kills of them. two of them, yeah. so him and Lawrence can be on there. Yeah. and she like kind of like, "All right, well, fuck it, let's do it." <laughs> but then I kind of get back to Dolores, like. They, they would talk about, you know, one of the, um, just like I would say a front lines worker comes up to Ashley Stubbs and says, mm-hmm. hey, one of these hosts have deviated far from their loop, you know, and he goes, is, is she with a guest? And he said, it's unclear. Now, guys, if you're thinking about it that way, you're probably thinking she's far from her thing, far from her loop because she's with William and Logan. Mm-hmm. It's not the case. Because yeah. remember, that's present time. When she's with William and Logan, that's past we don't know what she was doing far from her loop in that exact moment. Yeah. It's not because she was with William and Logan because it's two different timelines. So I hope you guys caught that. I caught that. But uh, Some say you're the greatest that ever walked. Because, <laughs> because the thing is, like, if they can see, they'd be able to see. If it was with Logan and William, they'd be able to see that Dolores was with Logan and William. It wouldn't be unclear if she was with a guest or not because you could see that she was with a guest. So different timelines. That's not that she would like, even though that's what the show wants you to think is that she was with him at that time. It's not. By the so. way, I would love to see Ramsey walk through this park as a guest. You would say, maybe you are that good. Maybe you're not. <laughs> right? That's so great. So the next thing I've got going on from here is, you know, the little, the little girl uh, tells Dolores, um, the same as you, don't you remember? Then like the voice in Dolores' head says, remember, then the amaze appears in the dirt. Yeah. Remember that? That's right. So that's pretty mm-hmm. important there because that girl was actually like Lawrence's daughter that you saw with the man in black and how he killed like that whole village and you know that that's the daughter and like Dolores is there alone. Well, not really alone because Logan and William show up because like that guy tries to take her back to her ranch and William's like, "Hi, she's with mm-hmm. me" or whatever. But it was really important because basically the entire time like the maze appears to Dolores right then and there. And keep in mind this timeline is in the past. Yeah, that's right. So. Yeah, I thought that was really important. And then uh, when William starts talking to Dolores, Dolores says these words. And for 30 years ago, for a host to have these words and say, I never asked where that path was taking me. 
she's showing even more depth way back before they're even adding these new updates. Mm-hmm. You know, I never, I never start to ask where this path has taken me. Like, what, who do you know? Like, what real person in the world do you know that shows that much depth? Let alone a fake host. You know, in in a fake world, it's it's just you start to really think that dude this is a real person that she's starting to come to consciousness like that's right you know that's what you're start. i think that's what you're meant to start to feel like but and i remember like the coyotes are kind of like howling at night it was kind of like a creepy scene and dolores starts to kind of see like spotlights on herself as she lays like days underneath surgeons and she's like fading in and out of this like west world that's going on and then you come back to the man in black and that's my question though because like (laughs) you see like you know so you see the moon yeah. And like, and she uh, fades out, and it's like, like fading so is out. the moon the examiner's lamp, and is that what the dots were when the when the woodcutter? Because you can kind of that's see a good question. Yeah. That like the the examiner's lamp lamp almost looked like the the moon, and with like you can see almost like in the way the light fixture was part, like there was like dots in it, like almost like that that Orion's belt that they thought they found. See, my so. argument with that though, I feel like it's because because agents can actually get into the park like when elsie was there and remember like earlier on she was even telling her to power down you'll fall into a deep sleep and that was episodes ago but like they can actually walk into the park so like the moon and stuff i think it's actually there i just think it's in her mind like she's like i think what it is is these timelines of when they're telling them in their mind you know to power down and come back on what's happening is she's still getting glimpses when she's fading in and out and actually being recommissioned on the surgery table and then being put back in the same exact spot so that the timelines merge i just thought it was interesting the way like there's got to be a to me because everything in the show is so far had a reason behind everything that it showed the moon turning into the examiner's lamp i think there's a meaning behind that somewhere but i could be wrong but um or if you're like logan (laughs) (laughs) blow her head off the park will come get her later (laughs) so the next thing i have is basically the man in black telling the armistice like listen i ain't got as much time as you're gonna take to get whatever you need to get so i'm gonna do it for you and i'm gonna make a deal you know what if i do Mm -hmm. this you're gonna give me the story behind your tattoo and he which was very weird yeah like because again like that whole it all comes down to, our biggest questions really come down to this Wyatt character for a season one yeah. really, like like really trying to figure that out a little bit but you know he basically tells her he all he needs is his pistol one match and an idiot like that's yeah, like, exactly, that being Lawrence yeah. like that's all I he needs it was two matches two matches one match two one no two one because one was one it was you're one. wrong it was it's two wrong. i will play a great debate card and do it i'm I'll playing the great up. debate card it was it two it was it right two now. matches great debate card with the gods of right. the underworld why do you say the gods of the underworld it makes no sense I mean, gods I mean, of hell but all right fuck them till they're Doesn't dead any fucking sense. <laughs> yeah There's it no does gods of underworld gods of hell mm-hmm. all right anyways i'm pulling this up it right was now. two matches because no, you know why I'm I telling tell you, you're wrong. One opened the cell and one killed the guy. Dude, that didn't kill the guy. The guy had his own match. I'm telling you right now. I'm telling you. I'm going to pull it up. I'm going to pull it up and you're going to hear it. And you're going to feel dumb. And I'm going to be happy about it. And guess what? Guess what? You're wrong. Okay. Because what if you're dumb? Okay. What if you're not? Okay. Because it was... Let me see. Maybe I wrote it down wrong. Oh, I know you wrote it down wrong. <laughs> it was definitely two matches. It wasn't. 100% was not. I'm glad you paid the great debate card. Makes me happier. Let me see if I can back it up with a quote for you too. 
see if I can back it up with a quote. Oh, fuck, you're right. I know I'm <laughs> fucking right. not alone. I'll take Lawrence here, and I'll need one match. Okay, so one match. So how the fuck did that one dude die? He lit his own cigar. He was his own guy. Okay, fine. He fucking wins, because I found it in my own notes. <laughs> like, so, like, that's not my fault you didn't take the notes that's down, That's a fucking right? shitty de- great debate card. Fine, off to the... Fine. She, yep. Off to the Shadow Realm <laughs> with that shit. That sucks. <laughs> right, so wow. That was the match, shittiest Malice and shittiest and one idiot. I'll take those odds. Thank you very I much. I got Come the again. quote right here in my own damn notes. <laughs> yeah. Fuck you, sir. Fuck you, sir. Damn. Try to come at me with that bullshit. I get it. Well, you'll see in a minute why it's easy to mistake. But you gotta listen and pay attention. But. The whole idea behind this plan is they're gonna go to the Ojal prison mm. and get the Civil War cannon surrounded by a cavalry unit, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and the man at black, just as they're debating this armistice and her men, he goes, I'll write at dawn. I'll get whatever you want out of that prison and bring it back myself. Armistice says, suppose you make it out alive. What's your price? Like you said, it was to hear the just story a few behind words. the tattoo. Yeah, just a few <laughs> words. Um, man in Black said, have you ever heard of a man named Arnold? You could say he was the original settler of these parts. He created a world where you could do anything you want except one thing. You can't die. Which means no matter how real this world seems... It's still just a game. But then Arnold went and broke his own rule. He died right here in the park. Except, I believe, he had one story left to tell. A story with real stakes, real violence. You could say, I'm here to honor his le- his legacy. And I think your tattoo is the next piece of the puzzle. So do we have a wager? Mm-hmm. Um, which, then it's like... What the fuck was the point of this stupid ass tattoo, which we'll talk about later? Right, yeah, the tat, the tattoo, because like he thinks it's gonna lead to the main villain, and the main villain is the is the answer to like will get him to where yeah. he needs to be, and that's gonna be his like boss battle or so to speak. Yeah. You know, and Armistice says but. it's surrounded by twenty men. She says you're aimed to break into a prison to take out twenty men alone. Says not alone. I'll take Lawrence here in one match, just like you said. So I stand corrected. Fucking bullshit <laughs> fucking shit uh, <laughs> fucking shittiest it's great debate card ever played very hard to argue with. i write this shit i write this shit with subtitle man <laughs> but so do i i started doing that too i just wrote it down correctly and read it wrong <laughs> so now the next thing i have is like you know they're en route to the jail to break out hector and then you know what he say? he said what if i told you i'm here to set you free to to lawrence mm-hmm. which is crazy because it's like what is this man in black's man objective? Is it to find the center of the maze? Because like, it's it's not obviously self discovery. It's like he wants these things to be even more real, and he wants to set them like because all of his quotes and his long stories have always ended up with like, you know what, you're fake. What you're doing is not real. You've always had strings pulled for you, and basically he's almost wanting to set them free himself mm-hmm. in a exactly. way. Exactly. So like, it's it's weird that like you know he keeps coming back to that, and that's the first quote we get to him to Lawrence is saying, you know, what if I told you I'm here to set you free? See, this is so. where I thought there was two matches because remember when he was on the train before and mm-hmm. he lit the match, but. I guess that was he the didn't, other he guy. He didn't even light the match. No, no one lit a match at that point in time. He pulled out the cigar oh, from his, his, his like, like inner pocket. Thighs. You know, he's, he's yeah, he's like yeah, the hand rolled from the uh, thighs of an exotic woman. Mm-hmm. And then the guy took the two of them and left the only one that was in his own hand. And he put the yeah. one back in his thing is because the guy told him no smoking in here. Mm-hmm. So the guy stole the other two cigars, but no one lit a match on the train. Okay, so gotcha. 
when they get back, when they get into the area there, and the guy tells you know the deputy that he's an idiot because El Lazo was wanted, and you know like you know he's the one that escaped the noose and killed a sheriff and a bunch of guys, and then even the man in black tells like the sheriff's like yeah you know he'd probably be preferred to the the firing squad and they're like well I think yeah, I'm gonna be happy right. to oblige. Be happy to oblige. Right. Yeah. One so, thing I do like though on that train though, he told Lawrence a quote. He said, "Choices, Lawrence. This is the man in black." You know, you tell yourself you've been at the mercy of mine because it spares you the consideration of your own. Because if you did consider your choices, you'd be confronted with the truth. You could not comprehend that no choice you ever made was your, your own. own. You have always been a prisoner. Prisoner. What if I told you I'm here to set you free? Yeah. Like, that's a big kind of... What if yeah, I told you I'm yeah. here to set you free? Um, but yeah. now that we've kind of like you know, it, it's almost like La- like Lawrence thinks that man, the Man in Black set him up this entire time, like save him just to be killed later on. He's like, I'm gonna fucking kill you. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so I'll fucking kill you. Yeah. So he gets taken off to the firing squad. Hector gets put in the cell with like the quote unquote yeah. cannon, uh-huh. which is Hector Escaton, which uh, you know that's the main bad guy that we saw earlier, kind of going into Sweetwater with like the rug over mm-hmm. his head. And that's shit. right. Like, yeah. So he's in there and. You know, what I thought was cool here, too, is, you know, they had that little... Do you have the quotes that they had? Yeah. Go, go ahead and, yeah. and, and nail the, the quotes between Hector I mean, and the Man in Black. It, it's just like, it, it shows the Man in Black has been there a long time. Mm. Because he was like... Hector says, how does he say it with his accent? I don't believe we ever met. Yeah. <laughs> and then the Man in Black says, no, we haven't. You know, you always seemed like a market-tested kind of thing. Big gun, tasteful scar... Locked in your little cycle like a prized poodle after its own tail. You sound like a man who's grown tired of wearing his guts from inside. On the inside, <laughs> yeah. There's no need to get testy. I'm just curious about your worldview. Some kind of half native mumbo jumbo. It's simple. I believe that only the truly brave look at the world and understand that all the gods, men, everything else will end badly no one will be saved foreshadowing as fine we have more in common than i thought (laughs) (laughs) no yeah so yeah you know then then when he grabs the the one match out of his pocket and he lights it what i thought was interesting is that they have to approve pyrotechnics from the outside in Mm -hmm. he asks like Stubbs, like hey you know do i approve this pyrotechnics and that was really cool looked at it and saw like who it was and it's like approved and he was like, like, yeah, like, like you already get a sense of, like... You understand that this man blocks someone really important. Like, yeah, he like, gets whatever he wants. There is no question. It's like, fucking approve it. Like, yep. fuck. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So then, you know, that's when we have the explosive cigars. He blows the lock, and then, the, you know, the guard comes by through, and they don't have any weapons on him, but he already had the cigar in his Cheat mouth. codes. And then, like, <laughs> yeah. the cigar ended up exploding, you know, the guy's face. See, so that's where I got confused, because, like, the first cigar exploded the dude's face, mm-hmm. but then one like broke open the cell yeah because he had three cigars but the guy took two of them and he only had his one left in his pocket because the guy grabbed him from it remember on the train the guy grabbed the man in black cigars from him and put them in his own pocket okay gotcha and then left him with only the one there you know and so then he had that one in his pocket and he put it into the lock got it okay use that one to blow that lock and so the other guy already had the two cigars from stealing them from the man in black and was basically smoking them in front of him and came up and then the and the, that's it when it exploded. Blew up in his face. Yeah, so all okay, of the gotcha. cigars were laced with explosives the entire time. Yeah, gotcha. So, 
But yeah, anyways, um, you know, Hector and the Man in Black kill the firing squad that were about to light up Lawrence. So Lawrence thinks he's going to die again. And then he gets the <laughs> hood taken off, the blindfold taken off, and it's like, fuck, it's a fucking Man in Black again. Like, like it already happened the first time with, like, the news. Fucking stuff. die! Like, he was like, damn <laughs> yeah. it, I'm fucking sick of working with you, man. So great. But yeah, so then the... Um, and then they get back to the town, and you have Armistice, right? Before that, well, yeah, yeah, they do get back to where like their campout was, mm-hmm. and then the, the last parting words to the Hector that I thought was important from the Man in Black, he says, "A word of advice: that thing you're looking for, you're never gonna find it in that safe." Yeah. Which another like like foreshadowing clue that the safe is gonna be empty. Like, like yeah. that's just his storyline. Is that what his whole deal is? Is trying to rob that safe. Mm-hmm. So that's right. the fact that like 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 the man in black ruined his own storyline. Like, hey, you're, whatever you know, I, whatever you think, you know, you're never gonna find whatever you're looking mm-hmm. for. You're not gonna find it in that that's safe. Right. Yeah. So then this, you know, this, you know, the armistice with a snake tattoo tells about the savages killing her mom. You know how there was one man left at the head of the snake, and that person was Wyatt. Yeah. Now, again, with this whole Wyatt thing, we all. It all comes down to the, the man in black needing to find this Wyatt. We all don't even know who this Wyatt is. Cause remember, Teddy in his own line, his own uh, storyline, trying to find Wyatt. Now the man in black's trying to find Wyatt. So who is this fucking Wyatt guy? And like we keep getting like visions of him, and we see him as the man Wyatt. But then like it almost like never comes up again that way when we get to the end. Here's but. my question though, because she says that quote. She says I was seven, just like you're saying. When they rode into town, masked men in devil's horns, so you know this is Wyatt's men, because what we find out later, we see later, killed everyone, women, children, even the animals. They gutted my mother from jaw to sex. I had to paint warm blood over my skin. Is that where the tattoo came in place? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so, gotcha. Yeah, that's like all the red and that's colored into the snake's like fragment of bodies. That red is the blood of like her family and then the, her eventually her enemies. So like she tattooed it on herself mm-hmm. to remember. Yeah, I it's, guess, it's almost right? like, you know, I'm going to like it's it's a form of revenge. So she started with the blood of her parents and then all the people that were involved in her parents murder as she killed them along the way she filled in a new fragment of the snake's body with her enemy's blood until now yeah. that's why it's all red up into her temple and then the last part's the snake that's not filled in red oh because she and hasn't so finished the head it of the yet snake. okay gotcha and that's why it yeah, yeah. So and just know. to back up josh's point here that's true because then uh she said to make sure that they would think I was dead. Every one of them I tracked down, I used their blood to paint my skin again. So, yeah, that, that's true. That makes sense. Okay. For sure, for sure. Uh, yeah, and then now the, I go back to Maeve here, right? And this is that doll. Yeah, the, the yeah. astronaut. Mm-hmm. That's what I say it's like the astronaut thing. Yeah. No, it's not astronaut. <laughs> it's just like the people with the full face masks. Um, you know, and then she realizes that she needs to talk to Hector mm-hmm. because, you know, Hector, remember the storyline like the bandit that roamed with the savages Mm -hmm. and that's what hector was is the bandit that rode with the savages so she realizes she's gonna need to understand understand this excuse me to understand the savages she needs to speak to someone who understood them herself themselves and that's gonna be hector so now we go to Teresa and ford having their little normal argument type of deal and she goes you know, they, 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 she goes into his little area of, like, construction, and he's, like, building this new thing, like, this huge endeavor. Mm-hmm. Remember, because this is Ford's storyline. We know since it's Ford's storyline, it's going to be a huge undertaking. And so she even tells Ford, listen, if you need more time, I'm sure the board would be happy to oblige. And Ford responds to her, I'm sure they'd be happier for me to delay it indefinitely. 
meaning he knows that they're against him. He knows that literally the board, the management, everyone doesn't want him to succeed here. They they want him out. Like he knows that he's being pushed out. Mm-hmm. So this is I, a cool I, scene. Yeah, it is. Way, too. Like because like yeah. they got like he's like the rocks don't want to move, but yet we will move them anyway. They're it's in like, that like garden thing yeah. eating dinner, and she was like telling him about this is the table. Yeah, she thinks well, she, she sat at. She didn't even realize kid. exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Then, <laughs> yeah. then she finds out. Like she goes, you know, Ford brings Teresa to the exact table she came as a child with her parents. They talk about Delos, the investor, and then you know, even Ford at this point in time, and this is where he started to get real creeped out. Ford's like, I do hope you'll be careful with Bernard. He has a sensitive disposition. Yeah. So it's like, holy fuck. Like, like he knows about everything. Right. And like Bernard's not the kind of guy that's going to sit there and tell people about his sexual conquests. So it's like, how does Ford know this? And we find out later on exactly how ford knows about this um relationship between bernard and Teresa, um and i love what he says here i do want to say this he says there have been many of you over the years <laughs> we that. have always almost always found a way to make it work so i will ask you nicely please don't get in my way yep. and then he says uh, Teresa said the board will agree with me. They will be sending a representative. And he says they already have. There you go. You I take thought it? they'd have told you. Basically, making her look <laughs> yeah. like a, like an unintelligent like, like an child. Idiot. Like, yeah, like yeah. Oh, you look stupid right now, Teresa. Get out of my face. So, <laughs> like, how dare you come to yeah. my house? Like, and you thought me. like you thought you were a step ahead of me. No, I'm a step ahead of you, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Just a pawn. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Great. And then the next thing I have after that is Wyatt's group wiped out the last group that went after them. We see Teddy Flood beaten, bloody, and tied to the tree. And so that's when the man in black and Lawrence come upon Teddy, mm-hmm. Teddy's body there. That's right. And then in the opposite timeline, we see Logan kill Holden. Yeah. Which Holden is the guy that was like, yeah, hey, you know, we're going to go out there. We're going to get him, you know, whatever. Basically the host, not the sheriff, but like the... The good guy gunslinging outlaw that's gonna bring all the bad guys to justice, and you know when when Slim basically says, "Listen, like my guys will pay a like a heavy ransom, you know, for you know my safe return," like Logan ends up killing Holden, and they have that another decision to make about Pariah. Right? I love what he says to William here too, because yeah. he's like talking to Dolores, like kind of like having that emotional moment, and he's Logan's such a fucking dick. He goes. Did you give her a goodbye kiss? Seriously, if you don't bang her by tomorrow, I call dibs. Let's go. Let's get these fuckers up. Slap their cocksuckers. <laughs> like, what? What a dick, dude. What an ass. And so why I thought this was important is because, like, even Logan himself said, this is an Easter egg of the park because yeah. Logan's been here before, and he's always wanted to go on one of these deeper, deeper storylines, and this is was his opportunity to do so. So instead of going back to Sweetwater and collecting the reward, Logan's like, no, no, this is our chance to get, to actually get into the depths and the amazingness of this park. And so that's why he just decided to kill Holden, the host, and then, you know. Remember he, like, beats that guy down? Like, it was almost like kind of like a... Like, he beat that guy down in that house thing when they go to that house. Do you remember that? So, like... Uh, like he oh, when his, gun, when his gun stops working, yeah, yeah, and he like beats that guy down. And it's kind of like a sick upgrade. moment. <laughs> yeah, upgrade, Ooh, upgrade. Ooh, nice upgrade. <laughs> yeah, like he's just like a sick fuck, dude. Like, but he realized what it is. Like, it's almost like he knows he he's kn- in a exactly. video game. Yeah, he knows. Yeah. He, like, he's got a better grasp upon what Westworld is than pretty much any other guest. He's so playing far. Red Dead Redemption. Right. <laughs> That's what he's doing. Now, the next part that I have is you know we go back to Maeve 
and like how like like the like Hector and his people make their way back into Sweetwater. They do that whole thing again. They shoot the sheriff, and then like Maeve ends up pulling a gun on Hector in the saloon and takes him to her room and promises him the combination to the safe for answers. I thought that was super badass. Like he goes in there thinking they're gonna destroy this whole city and whole town just like they did when Sizemore's like narrative got cut off because the guest shot him and didn't get the speech out. Mm-hmm. He thinks they're gonna go through that whole thing again, like they that's gonna be an easy takeover, but Maeve interrupts his like moments like, Yeah, well, you're gonna go upstairs and talk with me. We gotta figure this shit out. Yeah. And so uh like it, it, it's crazy because we find out they they call them shades. They call like you know he's like it, it's supposed to be a sign of fortune to see your makers walk amongst you and stuff like that. So she starts giving the combination to the safe as he's answering her questions a little bit. Mm-hmm. And so, but the biggest thing here is we start to figure out a little bit about what the hosts think of their people, the people, the real people who make them in a way, you know, who they consider quote unquote gods, but they're really not. They call them, you know, the natives speak of them as the man that walks between worlds. Yeah. So a shade's the man that walks between worlds, meaning their West world and then their actual world, you know, thinking almost like they're gods, like, you know, they're walking in and out of, you know, our worlds and timelines. So she asked Hector to, to be cut open to determine if a bullet that she was shot with is still inside her from getting shot not long ago. Remember when all that things happened and she got shot and she remembered she got shot and she was holding that spot where she did get shot. And, you know... Hector's like, you know, there was probably quotes on there where he was like, you know, I, I don't want to cut an un- unarmed woman or something like that. And she was like, no, you're, you know, for a big bad outlaw, like you're a little pansy for the most part. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. I'm just paraphrasing there. But she ends up cutting herself open. And Hector reaches inside of her body and pulls out the bullet. So, dude, what's going on with the people in the surgery room and the real life people? They don't pull that out? Like they did, they make yeah, a mistake. Like they just, they, I think they, they just they, sewed it back up. And they, yeah, is what they did. Like almost like she's not real, so just leave it in there and sew right. her up. Right, and but she <laughs> knew it was there, and like so she's starting to have these memories. So you're like, hey, is she starting to gain consciousness? Is she starting to yeah. become a real person? Malice like, in the chalice, real quick. Yeah. So there's actually a real story. There was this guy that had surgery because I guess he had lung problems, and the fucking doctor left a sponge in there, and they sewed him back up. And then he started having all these like lung problems, and then they wind up suing the doctor. This was like this was a big story like ten years ago, and he had like all this infection where they left a fucking sponge trying to clean him out. Damn, malice in the chalice. But yeah, That's isn't crazy. that crazy though? That is crazy. Fucking nuts. So I just thought I'd bring that up. But for yeah. sure, I mean, and to kind of close this out, I don't know if you got you want quotes or anything like that, but just for me and like what I thought was super important because we're about to finish up here with this this uh, first. You know, part one of our uh, season one mm-hmm. of, of Westworld here. Maeve cuts herself open. Hector reaches inside her body, finds a bullet, and he says, "What does this mean?" And she says, "It means I'm not crazy." Mm-hmm. Like, which is which is important because now you start thinking, like, okay, she her she's actually remembering real things, and now it's been proven because she's found a bullet inside her when she had the memories of her getting shot. Now, are they actually memories, or is she being taught to remember? Yeah. And that's the craziness about it. And so, um. Now, talk about like the the, the, the ending there because I know you yeah. want to. I'm finished that because it's one of your favorites that you were telling me about earlier. So just a, a couple little things, real quick. Um, just uh, one real quick thing back to Logan and, and William. They started having that confrontation when Logan killed like an innocent like host or something like an unarmed man, and then they started talking about. Logan said she'll be fine with a trip down the dark side. Um, it, trust me, and you know 
uh, Dolores was even like, you know, upset about the whole incident. And William was telling her, you know, stay back for a minute because I can get, I can't get hurt here, but you can. So that brought up a big moment because she's like, what do you mean? Like, I can't get hurt here. So she's starting to become aware of it. But with Hector and, um, you know, when Armistice and Hector were like attacking the place, this is one of my favorite scenes. So like, um, Maeve, of course, she tells Hector, you know, the safe is upstairs, of course. And she says, I want you to know about this. Um, and Maeve holds up the drawing to the surgeon, just like you were saying. Um, and then, you know, Hector goes, uh, that's a sacred native lore. They make figures of them. And then that's when she says 60, gives him the first combination and says, and what, what does the shade do? Hector says, you've seen this. Uh, Maeve says, what is it? Hector, the men walk between worlds. They were sent from hell to oversee the world. Maeve, 47. Maeve, like, that's when she adjusts herself, starts, like, pulling up her skirt. Hector, is this the last thing you require to me? Because we need a little more time <laughs> than the uh, consistency, than the contrary will allow. Maybe sweetheart, the if constable you, will constabulary or the something. Constable, right? constable is like the the sheriff, pretty much. Like, oh yeah, I didn't know what yeah. the fuck it was. Yeah, I didn't know what he was trying to say. Yeah. But <laughs> maybe it says, sweetheart, if I took that manner of interest in you, you have no say in how long we need <laughs> whatsoever. I thought I was crazy, <laughs> but I got uh, got shot here, and that's when she points to the thing, and then Hector says, "There's no wound, Maeve." No, but I was shot, and this was standing over me. And that's when she points uh, to the knife, uh, like, and then shows the drawing of the surgeon. Maeve, and then it was as if it never happened. I want you to cut me right here. And that's when she points the knife to her stomach. I'm not in the habit of cutting into defenseless women. Maeve, some big bad outlaw. The dreamwalker said there were some who could see them, that it's a blessing from God. A blessing to see the masters who pull your strings. They don't know what they're talking about. And then this is when Armistice is shot outside and she's like coughing up blood from her mouth as she's like writhing on the dirt like before. Um, and the sheriff and the cavalry are like surrounding the place. And Armistice says, go to hell. And then that's when they just light Armistice's ass up. And then Maeve says, go on then. This would be the first goddamn time. Excuse my language. <laughs> I've had to ask a man to put his hands on me twice. And that's when Hector pulls out the bullet from Maeve's belly. And she's like screaming. And Maeve holds up the bullet. And Hector says, what's it mean? Maeve, that I'm not crazy after all. And that none of this matters. Maeve like kisses Hector and like holds him in. And then that's when, you know, the cavalry runs up to the room and they're shooting through the room. And that leads us into episode five. Yes, it does. And that actually will take care of where we leave it off for this week. Uh, so for what we've done so far, it's been episodes one, two, three, and four of season one of Westworld. And just like every single time when before we sign off with you, uh, We've had such a great uh, response to everything we've done with the Game of Thrones arc, uh, finishing that up, and then also kind of tying that together with our, 
our midseason State of the Union, mm-hmm. where we kind of That's introduced right. what we're going to do from here on now and how, uh, you know, it, it is difficult scheduling how exactly we're going to do it. But um, numbers have been fantastic, guys. Thank you so much for the uh, support and love on all platforms uh, every single week. Uh, look forward to the interaction every single time, and we're going to keep giving you the best that we've got in every single uh, in every single episode that we put out. When we obviously you guys see what the length of these episodes take, we pour a lot of research, a lot of time, a lot of energy into it. But y'all deserve it, and we love you. So, do you want to add anything else to it? Yeah, man. No, uh, thanks for all the reviews. I mean, that really means a lot to us because y'all are taking the time to actually write about us. And you know, like I said, you know, Game of Thrones. I mean that was such a big arc that y'all stuck with us this entire time and the numbers went five times what we expected them to be and um you know it it just really means a lot your loyalty i've always been here for us ever since you know february it was january february we started in february early through the second week in february we started that arc and it's even more important now that we're on to something new and we're looking forward to having you guys still follow us along even though it's a newer topic and to your point this is something that's super relevant right now for this time period because i think you were saying that that westworld got nominated for a lot of awards on a certain a like, lot award, of emmys. award program i mean okay. yeah a lot of emmys coming up this year so. which i know that's kind of tough to think about given like you know the pandemic and mm-hmm. stuff that's happened it's been such a different year but right like they crushed it in Emmys, and this was one that was a so many nominations, us. right? Like was it like twenty nominations plus or something like yeah, that? Yeah, it was like twenty nominated. You know, Dang. like uh, and what, what's so surprising? Like we even say like, oh wow, this is gonna be as like far away from fantasy as we thought. Like they were nominated for, for like all these fiction. fantasy yeah. fiction categories. Yeah. So so it's 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 good stuff, man. It, and it's, it's been really entertaining so far. We've only gotten for me, anyways. I've only gotten through season one. I haven't even touched season two or season three yet. So I'm just as new to this as anybody else first starting out to Westworld. And, yeah. But guys, I mean, this has been another ridiculous production. Chase and Josh. Factor Fantasy, signing Signing off. off.